You are now listening to the hottest true crime podcast in the streets. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Affirmative Murder, the Equal Opportunity True Crime Comedy Podcast. I am Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Francel Evans. Oh, yes, yeah, right a minute, Mr. Postman. Yeah, man, I'm the mailman. Can't you tell, man? Gonna post it. What up? Fran, man, uh, how you doing, man? Since I don't know how you, I haven't talked to you since the news broke. Um, how you holding up? What news? The Queen of England died. Oh, oh! There what about old. it? Am I supposed to supposed to be like? I don't you can grieve, grieve how you will. You know, grieve. I don't. I don't really. I can't tell people how to grieve, but you know, I'm clearly. not grieving at all. <laughs> yeah, same. No, it was <laughs> no, it was. Uh, yeah, I'm, I don't really support the aristocracy or was she um, a bad person? Um, the uh, entire establishment's just kind of bad. You know, they steal artifacts from you know cultural artifacts from countries, and you know they occupy nations, and then call their people rebels when they don't want them there and then kill them and stuff like that. So she had her hand in things like that and her whole family's had their hands in things like that. And also they just kind of, that it's a thing that just exists because it's existed. Like they don't really have any true power anymore. It's more of like a, they're more like a, they're like the Kardashians. Like they just are like people who like people like to look at them and go, Ooh, royalty. Yeah. But the parliament, they're like the parliament and stuff makes the laws and stuff. Like they have influence for sure. But, they're just like super famous, a few super famous family at this point. Like they don't, they're not really royal. Like they don't, they wouldn't, if, if the queen was like, go to war, like yeah. they don't, she can't do that, oh. you know? So it's so like, why they still have, cause they've made, they were a family that's so rich and powerful that you can't just tell them that they're not royalty anymore. Really? It just is kind of like, the, it's just kind of the, the establishment. Do they over still there. call the house a castle? Do they still like call it that? Yeah. Like palace. palace. They use words like that, but it is a palace. I mean, they're very wealthy people, Yeah, yeah. but they're wealthy at this point. Like for no, they don't do anything. They, How they, wealthy are they though? I mean, actually, like, now, now you got me questioning. Maybe they're, maybe they're just frauds. Cause if they, if maybe they don't, just if they're not like, cause if I'm, I'm, if they don't have positive more money than Elon I'm, Musk, I'm positive they're impressed. not like the richest people in the world. I don't. I wouldn't think that but either. Like but their influence, if, pl- if their influence a, plus their money. But I mean, is, like if you're carrying a title like that. Yeah, their queen, influence is worth more than their money. She doesn't pay for stuff. I used to hear stories about Michael Jackson used to just steal stuff all the time, but he wouldn't consider it stealing. And neither would the people at the stores until they realized Michael Jackson came here and he just like walked, walked out with out. ten TVs, <laughs> and we were like, "That's so cool because that's Michael Jackson." But yeah, you, he was so rich and famous. His he was so famous at that point. He was like, "I, I want it." Yeah. Somebody else will. One of my people will take care of that part. I'm just gonna walk out of here with this Rolex. Well, he still, that means still pay for it. He. That, he I mean, he doesn't know that, but like that doesn't oh. that doesn't always happen. Oh. There isn't always a person that does. He just is. A, well, assumes. all the rich people get free shit anyway. So I was like, that's what I'm saying. So their 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 clout is worth more than money. Honestly, that's crazy. Uh, Queen Elizabeth herself is worth about $500 million, where the entire royal family is estimated to be worth at least $88 billion as of 2017. Oh, that's not shit. That's not shit? Compared to Elon Musk. Um, He's worth like $100 billion, isn't he? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. This, these, these, this is a stupid game we're playing. <laughs> <laughs> Who cares? They have so much more money than I will ever see or <laughs> can imagine or anything. So they're very rich and very influential and for no reason. And they've done some very horrible things. And they fuck each other. So um, I... Oh. The royal family, they they, they oh. dabble in incest. You got to keep the bloodline pure. 
I mean, the 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 way Twitter reacted to the Queen dying was pretty funny. That was hilarious. Yeah, that was, so that was pretty funny. Yeah, somebody that's went. Why, that's why Twitter is what it is. Yeah, and that's hard for people to understand sometimes. And Twitter is going to be around for probably forever. Oh, it's never going to stop. And sometimes I get in my bag on you know because I'm I run the 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 podcast account. Yeah. Sometimes I get too much in my bag. I'm like, I might tweet something that I should be tweeting as a person, <laughs> as, instead of like a business yeah. and a, a podcast yeah. or whatever. But you just going in on the Queen. Yeah, I'm fine with that though. I stand oh. on that. I stand on that. I stand on what I believe about the queen and the monarchy and and all that stuff. Um, but just in general, sometimes I gotta check myself. Like, no, you can't tweet that. Man. Yeah. That's, that's like too far. Like, you can't. That's too. That's too much of a risque joke <laughs> to be representing the whole brand with. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. So I. You know. So I'm. I'm trying to establish myself as a person outside of the podcast, so I can have my own and get my tweets off how I want to. Yeah. And then just deal with those consequences, however they come. But you know. I'm not there yet. Yeah. Well, they, they know, at least they know, they know who to go to the inbox when they feel like offended. Yeah. That's why I like to let them know. <laughs> sometimes, you know, cause sometimes I say something, people be like, come on, man. I'll be like, listen, man, this is hilarious. So I'm going to talk about it. <laughs> like, I'm like, <laughs> like, uh, T.I.'s son. Yeah. Who is an absolute, he should, T.I. should be really upset with his son. What? Cause about what? Well, his son's just like a clown and he wants to be tough and he's, he's really ugly. And, Damn. you know, so that, there's that too. But like, he got arrested because he like gets in fights. He pulls guns out on people, and I'm like, bro, your father's been famous about as long as I've been alive. Made a lot of money. You're rich. Yeah, you're a rich kid. You don't need to be. That's too easy. Gooning. People don't want that. But yeah, he has like a neck tattoo of a, a Playboy bunny tattoo on his neck. He just is a clown. And so, but he's also really ugly. So I feel like he's as ugly on the inside as he's on the outside. So I feel like he's fair game to make fun of for being ugly. Like, I wouldn't just make fun of people for being ugly. Yeah. You know, because we're all pretty in our own kind of ways. But this kid is like, he looks like a Muppet. And so I was like, that's hilarious how he's, he's such an awful person. It kind of makes sense that he's ugly. He's as ugly as he is annoying. You know, sometimes that's, that's just how it goes. Sometimes you see somebody, you go, yeah, you look like the personality that you are. <laughs> Matter of fact, they made a whole movie about that. About who? That kind of thing. Oh, um, Shallow Hal. Jack Black. You you had to have seen this movie. Mm. Oh man, it's one of Jack Black's best movies. So uh, he get, so he gets hypnotized by okay. this guy, How Tony was, Robbins. When did it come out? Nineteen ninety nine. I definitely didn't see it then. I know. Okay. I but I mean, you didn't have to see it in nineteen ninety nine. Did you see nineteen ninety nine? No. Oh, you saw the Titanic like last year. No, I didn't. Okay, my bad. Four years ago, which no, is still crazy. No, Sorry, I my still, bad. That's not for you. I saw that movie a long time ago. You said like 2015. When did it come out? 1997. I saw it in like 2000. I don't believe you. But anyway, <laughs> Shallow Hal, he gets hypnotized because he's like a guy that he's really, he's shallow. His name's yeah. Hal and he's shallow. And he wants to find love and he wants to find more substance in the person. Okay. So Tony Robbins, the real guy, like he's like a real motivational speaker. The black guy? No, he's oh. a white guy. He's very, it doesn't matter who he is. He so gets Tony hypnotized by... There, you might know a guy named Tony Robbins. I'm sure you do. <laughs> he might work with you. Or so. I don't know. That's a black name, I guess. But anyway, this guy's a really famous uh, motivational speaker. Yeah. He, motiv- he, he hypnotizes him on an elevator to go, you're going to see what people are on the inside on the outside. That's how people, you're going to see people for what they are on the inside. You're going to see it on the outside. And he gets yeah, off the- Special goggles or something? No, no. He just, oh. hit, he just tricked his brain. Okay. Like how you get people to stop smoking cigarettes. Yeah. Anyway, he gets off the, he gets off the elevator. All the women are bad. Everywhere he's going, every girl is like the the- the wind is blowing in their hair. They have on beautiful clothes. Yeah, yeah. They're all tall and skinny models or whatever yeah. the hell. And he start. He's like, man, this is crazy. And then he goes up. He starts. He's like, 
but he, you know, he's Jack Black, so he's like chubby, whatever. He's, yeah. But he's like, fuck it, man. It's such a nice day. All these beautiful women out here. I got to start shooting my shot. And he starts shooting a shot at these dime model girls, and they're all like, wait, you want a what? You want a, you want my number? Yeah, please, take my number. He's like, what the fuck is going on? All, yeah. these, all these models are just throwing their number at me when I ask. And then so uh, George Costanza uh-huh. is his man. That's his best friend. Okay. So he goes and he tells his man, like, yo, I got these three models going out. I'm going out to the club with them. Like, you got to come with me. Uh-huh. And he goes out to the club, and but George Costanza's not hypnotized. So he looks, they're like big girl, you got BBWs uh, and, you know, uh, real tall, nerdy looking girls with glasses and stuff. And Jack Black's out on dance floor like, yo, it's crazy, right? I got <laughs> three, these are three Victoria's Secret models. Yeah. He's like, no, nah, I'm not dancing, this, that, and the third. And he starts insulting the women. And Jack Black's like, whoa, man, what, what are you, gay? Like, I think he asked him that. Yeah. Like, he's like, no, I'm not gay. What are you talking about? He's like, yeah, I'm saying you're calling them rhinos and stuff. Like, these are beautiful women. But he's hypnotized. Then he meets Gwyneth Paltrow. Okay. And her character is like the most beautiful woman he's ever seen. And she's like 600 pounds or something like that. But he can't tell. So he's bringing her around all his friends. Yeah. All the girls that have he's shot his shot at before he was hypnotized that was like, nah, you're whack. And now he's bringing his girlfriend. He's happy and in love. Yeah. And they're like, wait, you don't want me? Any- That's crazy. How could he be liking this BBW girl when he used to be all over me? I'm hot. Yeah. And then the craziest part was the girl worked at a hospital. And I don't mean to tell people the whole movie, but it's just some stuff in the movie that I'm like, this was cool. So now you got me on the pathway of it. He went to this hospital and he was talking to all these kids. And they, because uh, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow's character was like volunteers at the hospitals and stuff. Yeah. So he's meeting all these kids. They're all cute kids and stuff. He's like, I think y'all are fake. Y'all are fake, fake and pretending to be sick. And he meets this one girl and they hit it off or whatever. Then it comes back around when he realizes he got hypnotized. He goes to the hospital. It was a burn unit. And he what? couldn't. So all the kids had like little. It wasn't crazy. It wasn't like crazy graphic or nothing like that. Like, but the girl that he hit it off with had like a little scar on her face. Yeah. But she, he couldn't see the scar because he only saw what was on the inside. And they all pure, lighthearted kids and having fun and stuff. Yeah. But the nurse that worked at the hospital, when they first went there, she was this old, nasty woman that smoked cigarettes and was like evil looking. And when he went back, she was gorgeous, but she was a bad person. Mm-hmm. So he saw even really pretty people. He saw them. As, as, as gross Because yeah. he saw What was on the inside I like movies like that So listen The movie I mean Would I say it's a great movie I don't know Like what I'm describing now Probably you couldn't make this movie In 2022 Probably is offensive You're showing people Being like Oh this girl Is ugly Traditionally But he thinks she's pretty So you probably couldn't Make it now But I think the Overall theme of it Is interesting I, I like the The story of it But I don't think It could fly today And I'm sure there might be People who would watch it today And be offended by it i guess i don't know people are offended by a lot of things but i thought it was a good movie and i thought the story and that whole like premise of it i thought that was a cool premise so i've always thought that movie was good and i haven't watched it in like probably 10 years or something like that but i always thought that premise was really cool anyway that's shallow how the movie let's go ahead and sh- jump into these shout outs really quick that's right folks it's time for these shout outs once again man we got all kind of cool stuff on patreon right now uh, October is right around the corner, which means Cultober is coming back. For those of you who do not remember, last year I did several of my, you know, some interesting cult stories that I found along the way. I did short little uh, episodes where I just give the insights and the details about each cult. I did one a week for the month of October, called it Cultober. They're available now. There will be a new string of Cultober episodes coming next month, so be on the lookout for that. If you like cults, you need to be joining up at that Patreon at that serial killer tier. Anyway, friend, up first, we got, as a shout-out, we got a shout-out to Jennifer M. Don't be fooled by the rocks that she got. She's still, she's still 
Jenny from the Patreon. Shout out to you, Jennifer. Keep doing your thing out there in the free world. Up next, we got Marina C. Shout out to you, Marina C. It looks like you are wrestling a pit bull. I don't know. I can't really tell. It's a very small picture, but that that's what it looks like you're doing in there, and have a good time doing that. Love your last name, even though I'm not going to say it. It seems very Italian. Astunad. Uh, up next, we got Caroline W. Shout out to you, Caroline W. I love Carolina barbecue. One of my favorite flavors of barbecue sauce that they make down there in the Carolinas. So um, if you were inspired by that, if your parents were inspired by that, they have great taste. Keep doing your thing. Love you, girl or person or whatever. Lastly, we got Adrian. Oh, Adrian. Shout out to Adrian. Keep doing your thing. That's a Rocky Balboa reference. Great movies. Uh, Adrian T, keep doing your thing out there. Hope you enjoy that Patreon content because she's a serial killer. So that means she's going to be checking out Cultober. So it's coming up soon. Check out the back catalog and also uh, enjoy uh, some. Uh, uh, what else we got on there, friend? Some uh, old friend on films. You know, we're yeah. gonna get back in rotation, all that stuff soon. But it's all a bunch. It's a bunch of old ones on there that you could enjoy for the moment, in the meantime, and in between time. So go ahead and enjoy that because you earned it. Because you are a serial killer. All right. Anyway, what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick break, and when we come back, we're gonna get into some fucked up shit. So stick around. All right, and we are back. Um, Fran, I'm going first this week. Yep. My affirmative murder, I'm going to start off. It's, it's, it's a kind of a short one, but I was inspired by just thinking about some of the stories that have been in the mainstream news as far as true crime goes over the last couple of years, and so I wanted to uh, look into some, and so it led me down the path of family annihilators. Hmm. So I'm going to get to my affirmative murder once I give a short kind of brief insight on what family annihilators are. All right. Okay. Cool. So studies have determined that there are four common stressors that could be the cause of a family annihilation. Okay. A breakdown in the family relationship, mm-hmm. an issue getting access to the children, so that kind of thing, you know, how many, spousal. It's like, like a number of how many of them? Can I guess one? What do you mean? How many? Yeah. I said I mean, four. It's four. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't yeah, hear yeah. It would be cheating. I told you already. <laughs> so that's two. Right, right now we're at two. So we got... Uh, uh, a break, a uh, breakdown in family relationships. Uh-huh. So you know, a divorce, a break, yes. you know, breakup, any of that kind of stuff, domestic uh-huh. things, and then an issue at getting access to the children as far as scheduling or okay. you know that kind of you know people withholding children and yeah. time and things like that. Uh, financial hardship. That's what I was going to guess. Financial yeah. hardship mm-hmm. and cultural honor killings, which is a m- more of a thing in like um, the Middle East and things like that. I don't, I don't know how prevalent they are, but there's a girl that's famously she is a activist now. I think she survived being like stoned by her family or something like that. I can't really, I don't remember all the details of it, but is that like religious beliefs and stuff? Yeah, like, like that? if okay. you if you if you if you betray your family in a sense. Got gotcha. you. Okay. Um, Damn, stoned. They, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. That you know, it's just you know, some people follow their religion to the T. Happens a lot yeah. here in the United States with Christianity. So that's in in their religion over there in, in certain religions. If you offend your family, disrespect your family, embarrass your family, you have the right to. Kill your child. Getting stoned is crazy. Yes, getting stoned is is nuts. Um, there's a, a movie, I mean, a TV show called The Leftovers, where they show a stoning. It's it's fake, obviously, but it is hard to watch. Leftovers. It's the lady that plays uh, Aunt Lydia in um, in uh, that show that keeps coming back, Handmaid's Tale. It's run its course, though. I'm over it now. I don't really need to see any more. Handmaid's Tale. Yeah, I don't oh. really. They're out of Gilead now. It's I don't really. I'm over it. They're like leading some kind of revolution. It just, it's it's gone on long enough, and I'm, I'm I think I'm I think I'm off the train. I've never seen Handmaid's Tale. First two first two three seasons are 
brutal, is it but really Amish good. People? I'm sorry. Is it about Amish people? It's not. No. You know, it's funny. Like you say stuff, and like I know how your brain gets there, because <laughs> I know you're picturing like you've seen promotions or something. You see what they wear, yeah. so you go. It must be about Amish people, yeah. and it's fascinating and that you get there. You've never seen an episode, and that's where you go to. So I know how you got there. Yeah. But to answer your question and then move on. Yeah. No, it is not a show about Amish people. Yeah. Okay. But we can. Yeah. If I would never asked you, I would. That's you just been like, yeah, that's that show about Amish people. That's yeah. just what you would have had locked in your brain. Well, go. Let's go ahead. And, you know what? Keep it. Don't worry about it. You're never gonna watch it. So just go ahead and keep the. It's a show. It's a show about Amish people. That's fine. It's totally fine. You can think what you want. So in the last one. Uh, it, it's a, it's a it's it's an or it's an either or okay. so it's cultural honor killings or mental illness, which is kind of like an all encompassing, um, category of why why people kill for any reason. Yeah. But we can throw mental illness into a reason for family. It, it, sound, it sounds like a um, I don't like the term. I don't I, I don't like that, that mental name. illness. No oh, family no, no, no. annihilated. Yeah. Well, you're killing your entire. You're annihilating. I your get family. that, but I mean, like, it sounds like a uh, a media made up. Oh, that's definitely like a, what it like is. Yes, it's salacious. It's yeah. a salacious term for sure. But I don't know a better. I mean, I'm sure there's a more sensitive term, like a you know a family murderer. It definitely sounds really. It's epic. It almost sounds like a video game yeah, or something yeah. like that. It definitely it grabs the headlines. Yeah. But it's also like apropos. Like it it fits. It fits. It but it it is like it is very salacious and like oh my what is this about? Like if you see that family annihilated, you're gonna click on it. Yeah. But family murdered or family died or family killed might not grab you like. So, you know, the media probably made it up, but, you know, it's the term. So in 2013, a Yardley study showed that out of 71 family murder cases in 59 of them, the perpetrator was the male and 50 cent. 50 cent. 50 cent. 50 cent did not annihilate. (laughs) Let me just clear that up. And 50 percent were between the ages of 30 and 40. So this is a very specific demographic, yeah. um, in most cases anyway. Um, most of them between the ages of 30 and 40 years old when they committed the crime. The MO in 32% of the cases was a stabbing, and in 15% of the cases, carbon monoxide poisoning from car exhaust. So like locking your kids in the car and that way. I feel like that 15%, I would bet that I don't have the full um, study, but I bet that 15% probably correlates more to when women do it. In 69% of these cases, the male murderer committed suicide after the murders. The profile of this specific murderer is in most cases a middle-aged man that is perceived as a hardworking and loving husband and father, like a Chris Watts. Yep. Uh, He is usually the senior man of the house that might be paranoid, depressed, or intoxicated, or a combination of all of these things. This individual might suffer from depression, psychological problems, and self-destructiveness, but it's keeping it buried deep down inside yeah. because of, and it's really something that we should talk about more often, but how many of these cases may have, may have had a chance at people catching the signs early or something. If it wasn't for the stigma of men discussing mental health and toxic masculinity affecting men, because men are like, Oh, I don't, I can't show my feelings. I got to be tough. I'm the dad. I'm the man of the house. They can't see me upset i can't ooh, ooh, duh, duh. so you're really going through some shit but you just keep it bottled down inside yeah. and now you lock in on what the pro what's the cause of this yeah and you and if you're if you let that mental illness fester and stuff you start to look at your family and go yeah well if they weren't around the financial problems my stress whatever yeah. so and then if you if you're not discussing these things with somebody in a healthy forum it could and you have, and you're suffering with unchecked mental illness because you don't think you need that because that's modern day hooby jooby. Then your mental illness can betray you, 
and you end up doing something like this. You know, so it's just something that we just men's mental health is something that we need to make more of a, you know, of a of an everyday thing that people can be comfortable discussing because people are here dealing with some real shit and they are trying to gut it out and it's not healthy and it's yeah. not safe for you or the people around you. So ultimately, another study that had considerable impact within the understanding of this specific type of killer was made by Yardley, Wilson and Lines. Looking at the motives behind the family murder cases over a span of 30 years, they divided these killers into four categories. One, the self-righteous killers. These individuals, in most cases, the father who often blames others, especially the mother for the relationship issues or breakup and for preventing him from having access to the children. He sees himself as the provider and taking that away from him will make him dangerous. The main goal is to cause pain and suffering to their partners and are most likely to use the children in doing so. They will often kill the children and leave the mother alive to extend the suffering and ensure that the maximum and ensure the maximum pain. In most cases, this type of family murderer will contact the mother prior to the murders and inform her about what they are going to do. Now, I've heard cases of this in in both sexes, though. There was a case where a woman drove off in a car. I think this happened in Baltimore. There was one drove off in a car with her boyfriend's kid. It wasn't her kid. I don't know if she killed the kid. I can't remember, but I'm just saying it it was it was a spite type of thing. Yeah. So I really like that part is that's wild to me that you would think, oh, I'm gonna yeah, well, I'm gonna kill the kid and like leave you alive so yeah. you can suffer that pain. Yeah. And I won't suffer any pain because I, I I'm I, I did this to hurt you. Yeah. So the idea that that's, that's that that you're so detached that that doesn't hurt you, you can go. I'm gonna hurt our kids to hurt you, and that doesn't affect you in that way. Yeah, that's that's cold. Anyway, these killings are executions, and they are never spontaneous. They plan the murders out, and they are not a result of impu- impulse or in a fit of rage. The killings are methodical and planned out for a long time. So you know, again. I don't know if Chris Watts fits into this category because he did kill his wife, Shanann, but there's no, there, it was definitely methodical and planned out. It was not a spontaneous thing. You know, right. he takes him to his job, drops him in an oil drum, takes Shanann and buried her near there. I think, I don't think she was in the oil drums, but it was not a spontaneous thing. They, they, they weren't all dead in the house. You know, it was methodical. I think he thought he'd have a second chance with his new girlfriend, he had a new life and stuff. Yeah. So this was a planned out thing. So I don't, but I don't know if he, let's just go through the other ones and see where we place Chris Watts because he's kind of the poster child for the family annihilation in current times. He's kind of the name that everybody goes to. Me, me specifically as well. The, when I think of this, I think of Chris Watts. Yeah. He really he doesn't fit any of those, those categories though. Well, I have, there's, this, this is a different thing. Oh. So I'm going to keep oh, going. Okay. I got you. So that, that first category I just described, that was self-righteous killers. This next category would be disappointed killers. These individuals believe that they were let down by those around him. Most often, they're children and spouses. They might think that the family members are not, are not good enough for them, and, he, and they are unhappy with the choices that their children have made and are not according to the traditional or religious customs. Therefore, the killing is entitled because in order to keep the family's reputation up. So this falls into more of like the honor killing when I was mentioning the honor killings. Yeah, yeah. But this doesn't necessarily have to be religious. You could just feel like your kid's a failure. Your kid's a disappointment. Your wife's a disappointment. Your whole family just is not, you're better than them. 
And so you don't deserve to be bogged down and weighed down by this horrible family, which is also crazy as shit. That's wild. Yeah. And so almost it's like, I, they don't deserve to be my family. That means you have no, you, ha- you have a disdain for them. Like you hate your family. The anomic killer. This killer considers his family as an extension of his economic success. As soon as this economic success breaks down, his family no longer serves this function. Hence, he will kill them. His view of his family is black and white, never gray. His view does not reflect the dynamic role that the woman can play in this institution of the family or the economy. This is from criminologist David Wilson. So basically, when I'm up, it's great. Yeah. But once I'm struggling, y'all are now affecting my pockets. I can't do stuff I want to do. Y'all are a burden now. When I'm up, it's like, oh, yeah, we're the nuclear family. I got two kids. They ride bikes. Uh, my wife has a Benz. I have a this. Everything's cool. But as soon as that's affected my job, I, l- I lose my job. I can't afford to pay for her car. Well, if I didn't have to pay for her car, then that wouldn't be a problem for me. Yeah. If I didn't have to send my kids to private school, that wouldn't be a problem for me. And now all of it's a burden, and it's like, this doesn't serve me. I could get back on my feet better if I didn't have this family. And then, then you get into, in this one, the anomic killer. I bet a lot of these probably are like, Took out a life insurance policy on the kids last yeah. year. Took out a life insurance policy on my wife six months ago. Now she's dead. Now I'm up. She dies. I get $250,000 and no wife to take to have to be a burden on me. I can flip this around. And I can get back to where I was. And then you're so you're such a sociopath. You probably go, and I'll just get a new family. Right. I'll get a new wife with the money and a new <laughs> That's That's the part that gets me every time. That you think you can really start over. That's psychotic. That's like you just like a, like a like a redo like in a game yeah like you just yeah. boom and then just like get a and just you think you can get away with this clean not go to prison nobody's gonna ask any questions or they just think it was an accident and then you get a new wife and yeah. new kids. Uh, lastly, we got paranoid killers. This individual believes that his wife and children are in immediate danger and or under some form of threat and they need protecting. Social services or the police or the legal system might be perceived as a threat towards their family. Hence, he kills his entire family in an attempt to protect them from the outside threat. This is um, you've seen this in like Jim Jones, uh, you know, in the Jonestown uh, murders. But you also seen this in a lot of like cult like cults in general. This happens a lot. They're coming to get us. We don't want them to take us. So I'm going to kill you to protect you from being taken by the system. I really don't understand how that's like a logical rational thought for you to be like look i need to do this yeah this this will work either this will they're gonna take our kids and put them in the system i don't want that so i'm gonna remove them from the earth so this person usually suffers from a personality disorder such as narcissism or dependency and has a history of psychological problems such as depression substance misuse paranoia anger or difficulty maintaining a job and these are all character traits of a cult leader as well now to my affirmative, I mean, to my affirmative murder this week. My story is about Devon Crawford. Okay. So let's go ahead and jump right in. On Thursday, March 5th, 2009, at around 8 p.m., a call came into the Cleveland Police Department for multiple shooting victims at a home on West 89th Street. What authorities walked into went on to be described as one of the city's most horrific shootings in years. By 10.15 p.m., Cleveland police identified the suspect and released his photo to the media to get the word out and to get the public's help of tracking down Devon Crawford. Devon Crawford had a head start in a citywide manhunt. His charge? Killing his newlywed wife, sister-in-law, and her three children, whose bodies were all found in the house that the police were called to. Mm. 
So that's five people, all gunned down. Crawford had been released from prison two years prior, and the couple had been married earlier that week on Monday. They had been married for less than five days. Neighbors on the block where the killings took place were still trying to understand the crime the next morning when detectives and reporters began canvassing the area. They said that the household seemed calm and that the children appeared to be happy, playing outdoors just hours before the killings. George Julian, who was 44 and lived across the street from the Crawford home, but had his television up so he could not hear the gunshots, said that he just felt traumatized and that he, had, he was full of fear and anger and that those were good kids. How could you do something like this to good, innocent kids? Mr. Crawford was incarcerated in, on voluntary manslaughter charges at age 19 in 1995. He spent five years in prison until he was paroled, and then he was imprisoned again for nearly five years starting in 2002. So he got, he got sent, let me just clarify that. So in 1990, I mean, in 1995, he caught a voluntary, an involuntary manslaughter charge. He got sentenced five to 25 years, but he only had to serve the minimum. So he was out by like, by, he was out by 2000. Okay. He reoffended, like he was out on parole. He broke his parole in 2002 after he fired a gun in the house he shared with his, wife, with his first wife, Bridget Hunt. And their children. So his wife and children were in the home. He fires a gun in the house out of anger of some kind. So it's already, I mean, in hindsight, the, the, the signs were there. Red flags were there. All that stuff. But, yeah. you, you know, the, 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 the family that ended up being his victims in the future, they, they probably didn't know this. He probably just said, uh, my, my first wife was crazy. Yeah. She left me. She was, you know, you know how people can. You can make it whatever you want once you break up or get out of the situation. It was them. Yeah. This, has been a, this, this same situation has been a big topic right now on social media with, People uh, having these past violent, you know, um, rap sheets and then getting out early and then doing something reoffending, reoffending. And it's yeah. like, how do you not see this? Yeah. In the past? Like, and what it is, it, it really sucks because when you talk about recidivism, as in reoffending is another term for recidivism, but it's it's also a product of of the system that you're sending them into. Like if you're not sending them into a system that rehabilitates, gives them therapy for them to talk about why you shot a gun in a house with your wife and your kids in there. Uh, if you're not providing them ways to fix those problems, as opposed to just sitting in a cage with other people who are traumatized and angry, and then they start fighting each other. And that's all you do in prison. It's prison in this prison in the United States is like, um, did you see the third Batman movie with Bane? Dark Knight Rises. I didn't see that. I saw parts. Okay, well, after Bane breaks Batman's back, he throws him in a well, basically. Like a giant well. And it's a prison full of, like, all of the worst criminals. And they just fight all day, and they try to climb out of prison and escape prison. And there's no therapy. There's no... It's about survival. In there. That's it's about survival. That's prison. Yeah. That's prison in the United States. So how can you expect somebody to be reformed or correct their mistakes or anything like that if you're not providing them an outlet to do so? So when you talk about, oh, they they did this, they did five years, they got out, they did it again. Well, the strategy is to take away your freedom and then... And punish you. Punish you. It's not correction. It helps. It's not correction. Yeah. It's punishment. So if you don't... If you don't it works for some people. Take away somebody's freedom, they go like, shit, all right, I don't I can't... I can't I don't it works for some people. Yeah. But people are not monolithic. No people are monolithic. And some people learn easier than other people. Some people only got to go to prison once and you go... I'll just be poor. I'll go work at this job that sucks, but I'm not going back to prison. But other people go, 
Well, I just I learned how to be. I learned. I met this guy. He car he carjacks too. He told me this little secret. I'm, I think I'm better at this now. I get out, as opposed to I was in prison. I learned a trade. I learned a skill, and now I'm gonna get out and go put that skill to work. I don't need to steal cars anymore. So that's a part of it too. Is all I'm saying. Like, and those kind of opportunities are being provided in prisons. Yes, but there's also a stigma against ex convicts because you basically get out. And all of your freedoms are stripped away. So you got to go to the job and tell them what you did. And I, sometimes it applies. Like if you robbed a jewelry store, if you go to work at a jewelry store, you should have to tell the jewelry store you went to prison for robbing a jewelry store. Yeah. But everything, if this doesn't apply here, I should be able to like, I serve my time and I should be able to be reacclimated into society without this scarlet letter on my chest. I should be able to vote again. Like I don't think people should just not, like you, you mess up one time and you're just done forever. And now they have, you know, you can you can fill out all kind of paperwork and stuff and you can get your rights to vote back. Mm. But I'm just saying, like, for a long time, people didn't know that or it wasn't an option. And it's just like you get out of prison and you're just not like a regular person anymore. It's like it's people that didn't go to jail and it's people that did go to jail. And those people's lives are like never be the same. I'm free. I'm on the same street as you walking on the same street as you. But I can't do what you can do. Now, should it be like that for everybody or should it be like case to case basis? It should be case to case basis because there's some crimes that it's like if you did it once, it's it's hey man, sorry. You cut somebody's head off with a sword. I can't be like, well, you know, let him out after he serves his time and we shouldn't keep an eye on that person anymore. Right. Nah, you need to be on like some kind of list. <laughs> so it's a case by case basis. You decapitate somebody with a sword. I don't think you should just get to get out and like fresh start. We got to keep an eye on you. Yeah. I mean, they put you on some Prozac or something and just put you on a list. So it should be case by case basis for sure. I That I'm that you let's put that. Little less. Yeah, it let, should be. Uh, it should be a separate. Let's prison. amend that. And put should, that in you know, there. It should be a separate prison. Prison for somebody like that. It should be a whole different like. Yeah, you should be. It in should like, be like a steps to hell. You should be in like the Judge Dread prison or something like that. It should be like. It should be different. You should have to do uh, like uh, Squid Games. But you know, weed. You can't ever get back on your feet because you had some weed. Come on, man. That's all I'm saying. So, but that's case by case because other worse things too. Yeah. Selling this fentanyl. I don't know. I don't know how I feel about that. I don't think you, you know, you know what you're doing with that fentanyl out yeah, there. That's killing people. That's killing people. No, you should so be it's not harmless. And you and people know that. It's pretty clear. Everybody, yeah. it's been made clear that fentanyl is not harmless. You know, I'm very free spirited about drugs. I think people should be able to have fun and do what they want to do. I'm a little bit of a That's a different drug. That's not like No, that's what I'm saying. It's it's yeah. it's it's it kills people. So if you're but if you're selling people thinking, oh, this is cocaine and it's not, that's a different thing. So you should be on a different list as, as well. Cause that's evil what you're doing. Yeah. Anyway, back to my story. So, like I said, he he uh, he was he he reoffended in 2002. He was sent back to prison for shooting a gun off in in the house with his wife and his children at the time. He did not harm anyone in the house with the gun or the bullet, but he had a firearm. He was he was basically um, he was reoffended and he pled guilty to felonious assault with a firearm, endangering children, failure to comply with a police officer, and possessing a weapon while on parole. Um, he served five years again, and he was released in 2007. Then two years later, this incident happens. Okay. So he reoffended once again very yeah. quickly. The Cuyahoga County Coroner's Office released the names of the shooting victims as Lachey Crawford, who was 30, that was his wife, for, of five days, her sister Rose Stevens, who was 25, and Miss Stevenson's children, Destiny Woods, who was five, and two-year-old twins, Dion and Davion Prim. 
The newly married couple had a two-month-old daughter named Layla who was not harmed, according to officials. So I assume she was in the house, but he did not target her for whatever reason because it's his kid or I don't, I, would, I don't know. Or he has a line of some kind. Two's cool, but two months is not. It's just weird. People yeah. draw these weird lines and stuff. I would assume, though, because it's his kid. So Lamar Arnold was the man who had, married his, who had married his daughter off to Crawford just four days prior on that Monday. Arnold said his daughter sent him an unusual cell phone text message at around 7.47 p.m. Thursday saying, call me, live your life, love it. Keep in mind, 7.47 p.m., he received his text message. 8 p.m., phone calls start going out to the CPD saying that gunshots were fired at a house before they make their way over to the residence. So not less than 15 minutes later, his daughter was dead. Yeah. And I also don't even know if that was his daughter. But that, that's not, I don't have the information on that. But that is a weird text. I guess, it, I don't know. I don't know the relationship. But he's saying it's unusual. To like, I don't know if he's saying it's unusual because of the verbiage. If she doesn't usually say, live your life, love it. I don't know. But call so me is innocuous. Sent, she sent a she text sent her to him. she sent a text message to her father, right, saying call me, okay, comma, live your life, love it. The call me part is innocuous. It's your daughter. Call me, live your. But I don't know. This is two thousand nine. Did they still have those little tags? Oh, I don't know. You know, remember those? No. Were you, you know, you didn't have one. You had one. What tags? You would be like. Oh, that was my that was MySpace. That wasn't text messages. But people had them on text messages where you might send a, you might put a MySpace status up like it's hot outside, Mr. Evans with dollar signs oh, and yeah, smiley yeah. face and yeah, shit yeah. like that. So I don't I don't that's why I'm I'm just kind of just throwing out oh, possibilities. Oh, I see what you said. Where she I just saying, saying call me like a signature. And that would just be on there. Like a signature. Yes, a signature. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know it's 2009. I, I don't know. Probably. It might have yeah, been. Yeah. Cuz that could have just been on okay. any text message. I don't yeah. know. You so, can still do that now. You can? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well then that's possible that that's what that is. But it also could be a weird code that uh, he didn't that figure more out. like a dude like a signature type. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like it just feels like any text message I send is just me sending some vibes. Now, can you see the text? No, oh. it was just in an oh, okay. article that I read. Because if it was like, call me, space. That's what I'm saying, depending on where it is. Yeah, yeah. yeah like a sign-off. Yeah, yeah, So I know, I'm just offering up some possibilities to yeah, explain yeah. that. Because the call that me part sense. is innocuous. The call me part is like, yeah, call me. Call me, dad. Call me whenever you get a chance. You don't think anything of that. But the live life, live your life, love it, if that's not a sign-off, it is a weird thing to put after call me. Because call me is like, whatever. And then this is like deep spiritual if you chose to write yeah. that, it's like, why? Maybe you? she knew something was going on. That's what I'm saying. So she it's one or the text. other, but I don't know. Like, I don't know. Him yeah. saying it was unusual, but he also is her dad. He might not know about signatures. Maybe that's the unusual part that, oh, the whole text. I thought the call me was part was he was saying it's unusual. I don't feel like the call me part would be unusual for your daughter well, to you say could call just me. call. You could just call. Your, if you want to talk, you just call your dad. That's but I true. mean, like, if she's in a... Uh, life or death situation where it's like, I can't call. You can't. I can just get this You text can't be off. on your phone. You can just it, get this text off. Right. Because they might now, see you. Yeah, because exactly. So it's like, oh, well, if, That's if a good he point. calls me, then I can you answer know, the phone real answer quick, don't vibrate, yeah, something yeah, like yeah. that. That's a good point. That's yeah. a good point, too. So that's, a, that's also a very good point. So he said after he got that text message, he tried to call her about 12 times and there was never an answer. Yeah. Because what if I text you saying, yo, call me? It's like, you go, what? Like, well, what year is this? Because I've been involved in a lot of you guys' friends, the shenanigans, and I told listen. But I mean, like, what I'm talking about, like, now. Well, if oh, I say, right now? If I text, if I text you, you'll, you'll call me. Well, I would call you. But I mean, but like, would I think it was unusual? Not, but what do you think is weird? I, I would just call you. True. I call you all the time. I would just call you. But what I think it was unusual, yes, what I think it was unusual for more than, I wouldn't even think it was unusual. I'd be like, motherfucker. 
This motherfucker Hollywood. He want me to. He wants me. To, <laughs> he wants me to call him. He's trying to summon me. That's where I would go. I would never go like, oh my god, is Fran okay? I would go. I would roll my eyes and be yeah. like, but then I would call you. I'd be like, this motherfucker, yeah, yeah, yeah. This motherfucker want me to call him. Okay, trying to boss me around. That's where my brain would go. <laughs> I would never be like, oh, man, is he? I hope he's okay. I would be more annoyed, but I would definitely De- call but, you. But it's but it's weird though. It is. You admitted is, that it's weird. It's weird. It could be annoying or whatever. You be going. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why are you? It would make me make just a face. Call me. Why yeah, yeah, that's me, what I would do. Yeah, so like, I guess that's the same feeling as weird, right. but I wouldn't think of it like weird. Like, should I also call the police on yeah. three way? And yeah, that's is this not your yeah, hostage? Yeah, like, <laughs> so a little over ten minutes after this text message was sent, calls came in from about the shooting to the at the Crawford home. So okay. you know, yeah. again, I don't know. Let's just assume she sent the text message, but it's possible that she didn't. It's possible that Mr. Crawford could have sent this text message out. Why he would do that, I don't know, hmm. but. It's a 15-minute window between the text message. It's less than 15 minutes, honestly. 7.47, 8 o'clock. Not phone call from the house. Phone call from the neighborhood. So when they hear the gunshots. So between 7.47 and 8 o'clock, yeah. gunshots went off. The family's dead. I think she knew she was in danger. That's think. a good point. And, yeah. I, and I, that's perfectly reasonable as possible. Because he, he, then, he then calls 12 times and she doesn't pick up the phone. So after the text message sent was sent, that's the last attempt she made to get in communication with somebody. And she didn't live there, right? No, no, no. that was their house. Oh, she lived there too. She the lived there, but her stepsister or her her sister, I think, was visiting with her kids. That's what I mean. Who are you you talking about her, I'm si- talking her about sister? Her, I'm talking about her stepsister. Her, her sister. Her, her sister, sister didn't live there. Right. Okay. Her sister and her three kids didn't live there. That's so saying. there was some Damn. kind of argument that kicked off, and he took it out on everybody. I wouldn't hear all got there. I ain't been here in months. Just wanted to visit my sister. She just got married on Monday. I thought yeah, I'd come man. by and we celebrate the marriage, have mm. a a glass of wine. You know, it's Friday. Hey, I hate those. I'm I sorry, it's Thursday. Them. You know, so it's like they just got they just celebrated nuptials and partied together on Monday. So it's like, yeah, I gotta go by see my sister again, see her in her marital bliss or whatever. So I'm bring the kids or bring her nieces and nephews over and have a good time. I gotta see the baby. They they have a newborn, newborn two months yeah. old. It's wild, bro. It's just like how how crazy such a such a normal like <laughs> family event could go sideways like yeah. this is insane. So police searching for Crawford the next day received a tip about his whereabouts and set up surveillance at the home where he was later seen by authorities. Police forced their way through the door and found Crawford was hiding in a bathtub. Oh, he was on the, he was running. Yeah, he had been on the run, okay. run for like 20 hours. Okay. From like the, it's, this happened on Thursday night, the Friday night, they find him. But he was, he had got a head start on him for a little bit. He was, he, he, he went into hiding for a little bit. He got away from him for a few hours. So he fired one shot from a handgun. Killing himself. Oh, shit. An unidentified woman was found in another part of the home, but police did not release any information about her in connection to Crawford. She was dead? No, she oh. was just in the house. Oh, okay. But she wasn't involved, so they didn't feel the need to release her name to okay. the public. Okay. Loud cheers could be heard from the crowd that gathered during the brief standoff with Crawford and the CPD as his lifeless body was carried out under a sheet. The funeral service for Lachey Crawford, her sister Rose Stevens, and Rose's three children, five-year-old Destiny Woods and two-year-old twins Dion and Davion Prem, was attended by thousands of people and ended with a horse-drawn carriage carrying the five victims to their final resting place Mm. in four caskets because the twins were buried together. Wow. And new boy don't have no... No no, uh, No no, mom, no no dad. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So rest in peace to that family, man, and... um, yeah, that was the story of family annihilator Davon Crawford. Man, he killed his whole. He, he killed his wife, newly newlywed wife, and her family in his home, 
all by gunshots and he killed himself. I hope that some of the things I said are just but we don't red flags. The, we don't know for. what category he falls under, though. Oh, I would say he. Uh, yeah, I don't know either. I would. I would probably say he did found. He's found with another female. We don't know if like he, if he forced. You know, if he knew that woman like that or like a, there was a personal relationship. Yeah, that's this. Yeah, this could have been a. This could have been like a uh, an uh, anomic. This could have been an anomic killer. Whereas like this. This isn't what I thought it was gonna be. But they just got married on Monday. I don't know. This also could just be. A family annihilation that doesn't fit into any of these categories. It was just a domestic yeah, violence situation. Yeah. And he, he had no there, ulterior yeah, motive. This, yeah, this wasn't, wasn't planned. It wasn't methodical. This wasn't planned yeah, out. Yeah. This wasn't planned. This was a spontaneous killing. Yeah. So I don't, I don't think he would fit in any of those categories because there was no buildup. All those other categories, for the most part, involve buildup and slow festering and realizing something about, you know. So I think this was more of a spontaneous thing, but I still would put it in the category of a family annihilation. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so that was the story of, uh, Devon Crawford and, uh, that was my affirmative murder. So any questions? No. Yeah. So one more time. Rest in peace to that family. That four Cassie's thing got me, man. I shed a tear when I read that. Cause he's like, I have uncles who they both passed away. Like they were, they were like in their late seventies. They were twins? They were twins oh. and they died like two, three years apart. But the one twin, he was never the same after the, the, uh, the twin died. Like yeah. he all, you know, you, you yeah. see him at the family reunions and functions and stuff he just was like he he had he had a he had a voice he he banged his throat on a on monkey bars when he was like nine shit so he always he had a raspy voice like this from like being a kid always i always thought it was it was it was scary when i was a kid but i got you know you get used to it yeah. and then then my grandmother didn't tell me that story about him until i was like 24 or something like that i didn't know why his voice was like that i thought he got in a fight or something like yeah. that she was like no he banged his he broke his wimp or cracked his windpipe on him like some monkey bars or something. Shit, some stupid dangerous. Not, you can't get like. No, I don't think once you fuck procedure. it up, it's fuck. Well, you. I mean, he's he was in his seventies, so this <laughs> happened in like nineteen fifty. <laughs> they didn't have. Any, I know. That's my point. No, nah, well, they, no, they just gave thing? him one of those. Uh, they gave him one of those things where he, bam, bam, they gave him like a voice thing. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what it's called. I don't know what it's called, but he stopped using it. That's the only solution they have for him. I don't know if they what have other call. Is that have a, a name? voice box? I don't know. Yeah. So he had one of those, but then I guess it was annoying or something like that. So he just would just he talk just through went. it. It sounded I painful. That. I get that. Yeah. It sounded painful, but I'm sure it must have been annoying. So I don't know if there's a new. <laughs> no disrespect to anybody out there that might have a voice box. I didn't mean to do, but that's what it sounds like. It always sounds the same. It's like a robotic voice. I didn't mean. Let's just move on. Um, but my point is it made me cry because like I thought of my family, my twins and my family, and, and when I thought of them burying the twins in the casket, it made me sad. Uh what we're gonna do is we're gonna take a quick break and when we come back, it's friends turn to get into some fucked up shit. So stick around. Welcome back. It's my turn to go. My affirmative murder this week is about the story of Harry Tyson Moore. Harry Tyson Moore was born in November 18th, 1905 in Houston, Florida. Oh, okay. Did you know there was a Houston, Florida? Didn't know there was a Houston, Florida. Houston, Florida, a tiny farming community in Sewanee County. He was the only child of Johnny and Rosa Moore. His father attended the water tanks for the Seaboard Airline Railroad and ran a small store in front of his house. Okay. Johnny started having... Health issues when Harry was nine years old and died that year in 1914. Mm. His widow, 
Rosa tried to manage alone working in the cotton fields and running the small store on weekends. Busy. Too much, too much to handle. Yes. You know, she's single. I mean, I didn't mean to say single, but you know, she's a widowed. She's a widow. Mm-hmm. Now she got kids she got to take care of. Trying to keep the business alive. One of the saddest things, I'll, I'm just jumping real quick because I, I always like to tell people the story because it always, it just, it, it, it's such motivation. It's also, it, it tells you like the inequality of, of life. So there's an episode of the Queer Eye on yeah. Netflix. Mm-hmm. Great show. First couple, I haven't watched the new seasons in a while, but like the first three seasons, in the first three seasons, there was a family that they, you know, they go and change your life and give you new clothes and all this stuff. And there was this family, they owned a little barbecue stand. It was a family barbecue stand. It had been in their family for like generations or whatever, or belong to their dad at least, at least yeah. one generation. If they were older though, they were like in their 60s or 50s or something like that. So they like took over their dad's barbecue place. And they started selling the barbecue sauce that they put on the, on the barbecue at the place. Okay. But they had to stop selling the barbecue sauce because too many people were buying the barbecue sauce and they didn't have the infrastructure to support shipping the barbecue sauce. So they had a Damn. successful business. Yeah. But because they didn't know how to set up the infrastructure to run the business, yeah. they just stopped selling the sauce. That's crazy. They didn't stop selling the sauce because nobody was buying it. They stopped selling the sauce because they were selling people. too many orders of yeah. the sauce. And that's like the most, who knows how many times that happens in my life. They go, it was just, be too, it was just too overwhelming. I couldn't yeah. handle it. So that's just a little glimpse. Like this lady, yeah. they had a family business. It was probably doing well. Had a, yeah, had a job side and it had a family business. Yeah. yeah. Right. And then it's like, but now you got to cut off that income because you just don't have the hands on deck to be able to keep the business running. Damn. So you suffer, even though you have a stream of income there, but you just don't have the the stuff in place to keep it open. I guess, yeah, I guess if you're not prepared for yeah, something for like sure. That. I mean, you're, you're, it was your husband's business. You're yeah. trying to keep it alive, but you. I'm talking about. Well, I'm talking about you the barbecue sauce. And the barbecue sauce. Yeah, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. that was it. Really broke my heart when, and it was that's why I was one of the most emotional episodes I saw because it was they got them everything they needed to sell the sauce. Yeah. And it was like, imagine you have a good idea. You have a tasty food or a good clothing item yeah. or whatever the hell. You make great shirts. And you have a thousand orders and you go, shit, I, I, don't, I don't have a thousand shirts. Yeah, yeah. I can't make a thousand shirts this fast. Just shut it down. Like I just re- re- refund all the money and just, you know, this successful business venture. I cannot go any further because I don't have the infrastructure to, to do it. That's crazy. Uh, so in 1915, Rosa sent Harry to live with uh, one of her sisters in Daytona Beach. The following year, he moved to Jacksonville, where he lived for the next three years with three other aunts, Jesse, Adriana, and Macy, and Macy Tyson, who shared a household. Jacksonville had a large and vibrant African-American community with a proud tradition of independence and intellectual achievement, which is super dope to hear those things. Yeah, but like what happened to Jacksonville? Cause that's not. I don't think that will be the description of Jacksonville today. So something happened, right? Yeah, man. You know I mean? That's crazy. You know? Moore's aunts were educated, well-informed women. Um, two were educators, and one was a nurse. Okay. Who took their, you know, at the time he was a, a, a skinny, lean uh, teenager at the time. So they took Moore, who was an intelligent boy, into their house in Louisiana on Louisiana Street to treat him like you know he was one of theirs. Yeah. Under their nurturing guidance, Moore's natural um, inquisitiveness and love of learning were reinforced. So this dude, it's good to hear that when a family, family members take you in Mm -hmm. and then they have a solid, you know, foundation. Like Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. Yeah. You know, nurture the good things in you, keep you away from the bad things. Yeah. How it should be. Show you love. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So after three years in Jacksonville, he returned home to Sweeney County in 1919 and enrolled 
in the high school program of Florida Memorial College. Over the next four years, Moore excelled in his studies, and he was nicknamed Doc by his classmates. In May 1925, at age 19, he graduated from Florida, Florida Memorial College with a normal degree and accepted a teaching job in Cocoa, Florida, in the watery wilderness of Brevard County. So he became a teacher after he graduated college. Nice. For the next two years, Moore taught four, fourth grade at Cocoa's only black elementary school. During his first year in Brevard County, he met Harriet Vida Sims, an attractive older woman. Uh, so at the time when he met her, <laughs> at the time, she went, I don't know why, she wasn't probably about four she years was, older than him. Yeah, he okay. was, she was 23, he was 20. <laughs> okay, okay. So she had taught school herself, but was then selling insurance for the Atlanta Life Insurance Company, a major black-owned business within Within a year, they were married on Christmas Day in 1926. So, man, and these count, whatever this area with the county was living in, man, I mean, it was thriving. Thriving. African man. American, yeah. Sound like Tulsa. Black schools and mm-hmm. black teachers and black owned businesses. And, and they were Harry, part of that. And Harry, when Harry met Harriet. Yep. So, both the Moors completed college degrees at Bethune Cookman College, which is the HBCU in Daytona Beach. So, I mean, like, this is like, the, this is like Bill Cosby and, uh, Nope. Can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Heathcliff oh, Huxtable and Claire Huxtable. <laughs> it's like I'll let you listen. You listen. You riding the line. I let you get away with that one. It's like Heathcliff Huxtable and Claire Huxtable. We can speak about some TV show characters. So the Sims family lived in Mims, a small citrus town outside the county seat of uh, Titusville. The newlyweds moved in. With Harriet's parents until they built their own built their own house on the adjoining acre of land. So compound, yeah, that's dope. But um, so yeah, so they got they get the house built, man. Got some nice little plot of land that their family owned right next to them. It's thriving, man. So Harry had been promoted to principal. Whoa! Of the of the Titusville Colored School. That's the title. That's the name of the school. Yeah, man. I hope it's not still the name of the school. I don't like that. But interesting. Which went from four. I, I bet it doesn't. One, I bet the school doesn't <laughs> exist. Because listen, I don't want to make assumptions about Jacksonville, but I've heard Jacksonville is kind of a wild place. So I feel like any of this shit that we're talking about is like rubble. Like it's like oh, remnants of what it was. Yeah, yeah I don't. I, in my mind, anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Some memorial placards. Yeah, yeah, right. for sure. Yeah. So anyway, he became the principal of the school, which went from fourth through ninth grades. He taught ninth grade and supervised a staff of six teachers. I know this is a thriving. All black, you know, mm-hmm. majority black community. But I mean, like, uh, principals, they people like, no, we ain't having it. Anywhere else, they're like, no, we're not having that. Especially segregated schools. Oh, yeah, you could else? never be a, a black principal of a, of, a, of a white school. Yeah. No, I never. It'd be an interesting Disney movie, though. So on March 28, 1928, their eldest daughter, Annie Rosalia, nicknamed Peaches, was born. You ever seen, you ever Google, like, sometimes you'll Google, like, I Google words and they go like, okay, it'll show you like the timeline of like, like when the, the origin of the word created, or when mm, it was created Greek, to like Latin or, go, or goes like, it's, it's, it's not as used as much. In like, oh, it was more popular yeah. 40, 50 years ago. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. And then you do names and like, yeah, peaches, baby names. Peaches is one of those names was like, you know, there's not, Atticus. Like, not a lot of peaches. Yeah. Not a lot of peaches. Not on birth certificates. No. <laughs> I might know a peaches or two now. We just call them that, but I mean, like it's not a, but nobody. I mean, like, I don't, are there any? Is with there a, a generation, like, I mean, like a generation. That's not 
Yeah, I don't that know any. I don't know any girls my age named Big Peaches. Big as it was like when I was younger, when it was like yeah, I have some like Peaches, Aunt Peaches. Yeah, I have exactly. Aunt, all the Peaches I know are definitely like at least twenty years older. Exactly, than me, for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, so they they had a daughter. Their eldest daughter they named her Peaches. When Peaches was six months old, Harriet began teaching the Mims Colored School. On September thirtieth, nineteen thirty, their baby daughter Juanita Evan- Evangeline was born. Both their daughters also earned college degrees at Bethune Cookman College. Wow. Yeah, man. I mean, legacies. Mm-hmm. Both teachers, both graduated, and then it kids go to the HBCU too. Yep. Yeah. Unfortunately, Peaches died in August of 1972 at the age of 44, and Juanita died at the age of 85 in October of 2015. That's a fulfilled. That's a fulfilled life. 85. 85. That's, yeah. yeah. So in 1934, soon after the birth of their daughters, the Moores founded the Brevard County chapter of the NAACP. Moore also helped organize the statewide NAACP organization. Through his registration activities, he greatly increased the number of members and the work, and he worked on issues of housing and education. He investigated lynchings, filed lawsuits against voter registration barriers and white primaries, and worked for equal pay for black teachers in public schools, although they, although they were segregated. I need to find out what the NWAWP was up to. The one you mentioned last week? Yeah. Because, <laughs> like, all that, the NAACP has a cause. Like, they yeah. have things on an agenda list. They got list. boots on the ground. They might yeah. never even accomplish some of these things, but we got things we got things we want to get done yes. to advance colored people. Yeah. And the NAAWP just seems like they all their stuff is like, they don't make, sure they don't, yeah. make sure they don't get this stuff they're done. Ops, man. They're they doing the complete opposite. <laughs> that's crazy. Man. Whatever they do, our agenda is to stop, to stop them, them from, from doing, doing that. that. Yeah, that's crazy. And to make a whole organization to do that is wild. I guess that's what the KKK is. But I'm just saying, like, to, to try to but shape it up. Like, but it's like bullshit. There's not like copyright. Yeah, like, just own it. Like, like, just be straight up racist. Don't be like, no, we're just trying to advance the white people. By doing what? Well, making sure you can't vote and making sure you don't get paid what we yeah. get paid and making sure that you don't find out who lynched this guy. It's a weird agenda list, man. That was wild, man. And I heard that go, I went, what? NAWP is nasty. Yeah. So, uh, in 1946, both Moors were fired from their teaching jobs because of their activism. Okay. Harry Moore was working to gain equal pay for black public school teachers in Brevard County, segregated in Brevard County segregated school system. Oh, so they when they started when they started dabbling in the world of of um, mixing with white people, they looked too radical. Well, I'm finished. Is that cause, okay? Go sorry. Yeah. So such economic retaliation was widely used in southern states to discourage activism. Yes. So this was a tactic to be like, okay, well Shut we don't up, yeah. we don't like mm-hmm. what you're doing, so we start firing. So that's the tactic they used to stop black people from going for being activists. Yeah. Shut up and teach. Exactly. But they worked in like an all black school system and stuff, right? That's what I'm saying. Like, did they not? Did they step out of that? Maybe. Or because, like, well, you know, something is so fucked up. It's like, even if you work in all black system, who knows where the money comes from? Like, if it's still exactly. publicly funded by yep. the white government that's in power, yep. they still have a they can they can rule something over you. Yep. Even so, you're not fully independent. Even if you look around and it's like HBCU and black elementary school and yeah, yeah, damn. Like we give you this. Yeah, now you make it too many ways. You're coming over here getting yeah, in our business. Yep. Defunded. Yep, yep. Because now, because he's fighting, he's like, man, I'm trying to equal pay for the black yeah, teachers. for the black teachers that are over there. Yep. Because I feel like he had a real good, I feel like he's like pro-black. Like Absolutely. So I feel like he wasn't trying to go work at the segregated schools, but the teachers that did go do that, 
he wanted to make sure they were being compensated yeah. properly. Yep. And they didn't like that. Yeah. yeah. It was like, no, nah, we're not having that. Harry Moore accepted a paid position with the NAACP in order to survive economically. Moore also led the Progressive Voters League. Following a 1944 U.S. Supreme Court ruling against white primaries as unconstitutional, between 1944 and 1950, Moore succeeded in increasing the registration of black voters in Florida to 31% of those eligible to vote, marked higher than any other southern state. So, I mean, the dude was, he's putting in work, man. He was out here telling black black people, you know, y'all need to vote yeah. and push. And voter suppression is a real numbers. thing, and keep an eye out for it, and let's yep. let's try to stop that. Yeah. So there was a case that I did come across before I found Mr. Harry T. Moore that it was called the Groveland Four, that these black men were accused of raping a white woman in Groveland, Florida, but he was the executive director of of the Florida NAACP which organized a campaign against what he saw of wrongful convictions of the men. So that's the story that I came across um, while, while the Groveland story, Four. The Groveland Four, that I'm, I'm going to do that story next week. I okay. just wanted to mention that. And when I saw, when there was a connection with this guy, I went, what the? F-? Yeah. It was, it was crazy. But the dude, is out, he, he was out there putting in work. Yeah. On Christmas night in 1951, the Moors' 25th wedding anniversary, a bomb went off beneath the couple's home mm. in Mims, Florida. Both were fatally injured. Moore died, and this, this is great, Moore died on the way to the hospital in Sanford, Florida, which is 30 miles from away. From his house? From his house. That was the closest hospital, or that's the hospital they that took That was the to. closest hospital that will serve African-American people. Wow. Wow. Not far 30 miles is and dying. Wow. And it's like, we got to follow this racist rule, even though you're burnt and blown up. We still got to, we can't take you to that hospital. They won't treat you. Yep. And the house is like, and the house, I don't know what, I don't know if you've seen some houses where it's like, it's not on the ground. It's maybe like propped up on something. That's Florida houses. All of them because like of that. the flooding. Because of the flooding. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. I didn't. I didn't. I, I, I a lot didn't of their houses like are like not stilts is a bad word. They're right. probably, they're I didn't want to say bricks. Stilts. I didn't want to say they're sitting on bricks. No, I don't know yeah, what yeah, what not, they're yeah. sitting on. They're not I know they're not car. Right. <laughs> but yeah, but they're yeah, not yeah, on yeah. the ground. They're not on stilts. Isn't the word either. But maybe it yeah. is. I don't know. But it's, it's easy. something like stilts. Yeah. But it's it's easier for somebody to go underneath a bomb or whatever and yeah and put some under there. Wow, man. But thirty miles away to get to a hospital that only served African American people. That's crazy. Now, I don't know if I don't know if they stopped at other hospitals locally, close ones. And they, and I'm sure the problem. I'm sure the just, emergency people rejected. know. Because here's the thing: whether or not the people in well, the why car, why waste time? Yeah, that's that's what I was gonna say. Okay, like, whether they could have been really good people or super racist too, but they would go either way. I know if we take you to this hospital, you're gonna die because they're not gonna treat you. Yeah. So let's just go to the place where we know they'll treat you. Whether that was a a well intentioned like sorry this is the way the world is or like hey man listen I just hey the best shot you got is if we go out of this one because if we drop you off at this one they're gonna let you die in the lobby yeah so we're gonna take you to the longer drive so Shit. why even go try to hey man please come on like he's dying like, we yeah. don't care why tell me they don't give a shit his wife died um, from her injuries nine days later at the mm. same hospital Moore has been called for the first called the first martyr in the civil rights movement. He was the first NAACP official assassinated in the civil rights struggle. He and his wife were the first couple to be killed for civil rights. Mm. The murder caused a national and international outcry. With protests 
registered at the United Nation Against Violence in the South. The NAACP held a huge rally in New York and in other cities too. And in many respects, the protests of the Moors murders were a forerunner of the demonstration during the Civil Rights Movement. The NAACP sponsored a fundraising event at the Madison Square Garden where a song entitled The Ballad of Harry Moore was performed with the lyrics by the renowned poet Langston Hughes. Oh, wow. There was a, I had a, a guy, a classmate in my class in high school, his name was Langston Hughes. His name was Langston Hughes? His name was Langston Hughes. No he relation? Was, no, he was, no, Fam- no relation. But family he was, just. He was named after Langston Hughes. Yeah. I don't know if, but I don't know. The thing is, I always, I always, I still think about it to this day. I don't know if his, his last name just happened to be, be Hughes. Hughes. Or they was just like, just, no, we're going to name. We're going to name you Langston. His family is, they're, they're the Davises. But yeah. you, we named you Langston Hughes. No, they were just Hughes, and they were fans of Langston Hughes. They, there's no way they changed the last I like, name. I like to think that, like, no, they wouldn't. We want the you grain. to be, was like, no, we're going to be Langston Hughes. We're Langston Hughes. I don't know, but his name was. Great writer, I remember, I remember him going, yeah, my Langston. first name after that. I went, oh, okay. I would have been like, what, what grade was this? <laughs> he was like, this is like a. Uh, like 11, 12th grade. Oh, okay, cool. No, I was more mature. If this was like fifth grade, I'm no, like, nerd. Yeah, Who was that? <laughs> no, fifth grade? I don't know who Langston Hughes is. It's not. It's you proud of it at fifth grade? Like, oh, yeah, I'm named after Langston. I'm like, who the hell is that? Yeah. If your name is not R.L. Stein, you are you named after R.L. Stein, then I don't care. So the state of Florida called the FBI to head um, the investigation, but the case was never solved. Oh, shocker. Shocker. No one, and no one was ever prosecuted. The FBI was convinced that. I don't want to hear nothing the FBI got to say in the case involving the assassination of, of leaders. That you know who the Ku Klux the Ku Klux Klan had committed the bombing and identified a number of local Klansmen who might have and done suspects, it. Mm-hmm. but was never able to find enough evidence to bring charges. I bet. Eventually, the FBI indicted seven Klansmen for lying on their involvement in the in other racial violences mm-hmm. in the hope that the pressure of the <laughs> indictments will force some of the Klansmen to crack and testify about the Moore case. But what is pressure? Like, what is yeah. pressure? Come on. <laughs> Sorry, Earl. I'm not going to do it. Like, right. All right, man. We got to go do six months. Name and shit. Yeah, go do six months in jail. It's like, all right, well, I guess I'll go do six months in jail. Yep. However, the ploy did not work. Yeah, I'm sure. And the indictments were eventually dismissed. Mm-hmm. Oh, so they didn't even face punishment for the crimes that they tried to put pressure on them for. Nothing. Oh, okay. The FBI eventually closed the moor. So it was a show. In 1953. It was a show. It was like, we we tried. We tried, yeah. Yeah, see? Yep. This shit is fucked up, man. So the case has been, had been reopened, had been reopened three times. Mm -hmm. In 1978 by Brevard County. In 1991 and 92, by the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. Everybody's dead by this point. And in 2005, Everybody's by the Florida attorney, Charlie Crist. Everybody's super dead. In October 2006, three weeks before winning the Republican primary for governor, Crist held a press conference in MIMS and complained, I'm sorry, and claimed he resolved that to have resolved the case. So they were saying that this was his tactic of getting more votes over black Get black vote. Yep, to be like, we solved the case. Oh, oh we, we reopened it. Yeah, it reopened re- re- oh. three times. Yeah, so we just looked nothing. at, looked at it, looked it over. We opened it, and then yep. we couldn't. We didn't solve it either. Yep. Although he said man, that, yeah, the also theater, the theater of it all. <laughs> yeah, man. Also, he said that his investigation found no new evidence. Mm, I bet Chris identified four Klansmen, then dead, mm-hmm. as the likely perpetrators. Yeah. Uh-huh. In the next few weeks, however. The Chris investigation 
was roundly criticized by more scholars, FDLE investigators, and newspaper editorial boards, it was largely dismissed as a political attempt to win black votes. Mm -hmm. A little bit of tap dancing. When the Moors were killed, the risk to civil rights activists and any blacks in the South was high and continued to be so. According to a later report from the NAACP's Southern Regional Council in Atlanta, the homes of 40 black Southern families were bombed during 1951 and 1952. Mm -hmm. Some, like Harry Moore, were activists whose work exposed them to danger. But most were either people who had refused to bow to racist convention or simply innocent bystanders, unsuspecting victims of random white terrorism. So he said, for example, bombing was especially pre prevalent in Birmingham, Alabama in the 1950s and was used, to, it was used by independent KKK groups to intimidate middle-class blacks who were moving into neighborhoods. So maybe that's what happened to um, that African-American community in Florida. Maybe they had something to do with it. Yeah, maybe. I mean, see that it's always it always these type of stories make me so sick because it's so systemic, bro. Like when you think about this guy, Harry Moore, sounds like the kind of person who you need. Like we talk about take out the head, the body will fall. This yeah. is the kind of guy you want in a community. Yeah, to help a community thrive, show you the way, show you that getting an education is good. And it's almost like these these groups, these the KKK, the FBI, <clears throat> they know who to target. Yeah, they, they get Fred Hampton, they get Harry Moore, they get La Martin Luther King. It's the it's the it's the same example you just used. Yeah, you take the head of the snake. Yeah, then you leave then, it just in shambles. Yeah. Everybody gives up on the revolution, yeah. and everybody gives up on trying to change things. And yep. and it's crazy how much of a there's so much of a similarity in the Chicago gang violence. I mean, mm -hmm. the, a lot of these gangs, they started off not with the best intentions maybe, but there was leadership in a hierarchy in a system. Yeah. And these RICO cases, and listen, I'm not saying like I'm, I'm pro-gangs, but I'm just saying what's left now is a bunch of kids with no hierarchy or system of yeah. leadership, yeah. and so it's chaos. Yep. And that's the same thing as you got all these people who are uh, motivated and angry and but then you got people like Harry Moore in place to go, here's how you go. I'm going to place that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to aim you. Yeah. I'm going to use you like a weapon. Here, help with this after-school program to feed kids in the neighborhood. I know you're angry, but take that anger, and we're going to do it here. And you take out all these heads, and you leave all this anger and, and, and need for revolution and, and, and all of this passion, and it's going to turn if there's nobody in, in place to direct it properly. Yeah. And then they can make you out to be everything they said you were. Look at them out there breaking stuff and breaking breaking windows and burning stuff down because there's nobody out there for them to follow because they all been killed or put in jail or run out of the country living in Cuba somewhere. And so it's so intentional. So when you say, oh, the house is on stilts, they put a bomb under there, but they put a bomb under like 40 other people's houses or whatever. They knew who he was. Absolutely. He wasn't one of the well, 40 random. No. They knew like, they no, this exactly guy, he's prominent in the neighborhood, yeah. making waves. He's always at the city hall asking for, no, we got to get him out of here. And we'll do it almost like uh, the D.C. sniper. That's how I look at it. Like, we're going to do we're going to do 15 bombings. So everybody's the, the fear part's going to work. They're going to be scared to yeah. do anything. But then within all of that, we got the one we wanted to get. That's yep. going to really make a. They can't function. It's like chess. Yeah. They can't function without this piece. But then it looks like, oh, it's just chaos and no thought put into it. And it's just random. And you know what I mean? Yeah. So. I, what I think about is what makes me upset is how they stopped us. 
long time ago from doing things. Like the perfect example is what you brought up when you know why black people can't swim. It's like mm. it's because of got ran out of all the public pools, right? Mm. So it's like and they with like, fear, you know, like, with like, fear. Yeah, it's like, like and then it's like and that get passed down is go like we don't go to pools. So we mm. just we stop going to pools. That's so black people just stop going to swim because yeah. trauma, yeah. right? Mm. And like this thing is like this guy is going to voting and middle class families and they. Oh man, they flourishing and mm-hmm. it, but then it's like when it's all taken away and it's like why but with violence? Yeah, why flourish? Why they gonna so blow you up? Why? Nah, man, it's just gonna end bad. When you poke your head out of the sand yep. and you try to shine too much, yep. you put a target on your back. Why be an activist? Did, I'm gonna lose. You die. I, I can't. I can't lose my job. Yeah. As much as I want to be out there marching, mm-hmm. I got it. I gotta find a way to provide for my family. Eat. Yeah. I can't. I can't do that. Mm-hmm. And they got that stranglehold on you. And it's like, nah, I can't. Yeah. Nah, man. I can't, I can't, I can't make, make those it. kind of ways. I can't make it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it's just, that's fucked up, man. And then once that one person that goes out there and do that, your Martin Luther Kings, your Harry T. Moore, it's like, they're murdered. Mm-hmm. They're killed. And it's like. Because all, all the work, other, the tactics didn't right. work on them. We couldn't make them yeah. stop active, doing exactly. activism by taking their job away. We couldn't silence them. This is too much power. Yeah. This person is not afraid of what we can do to stop them. So we're just, we have to get them out of this, out of here in the last resort is death or prison yeah and but all that hard work mm-hmm. all that hard work they, they die in vain Bro, the, idea, the idea that j edgar hoover has buildings and shit named after him and you can go back and read his files where he's like we're gonna make martin luther king look like a slut so then people won't we're gonna tell the world that he cheats on his wife it's like listen man listen i don't agree martin luther king he shouldn't have been doing that to coretta but this man was on a mission and the idea that you wait che- a second what? Is this news to you? Yes. Oh, man. Martin Luther King was out here getting it in. You got to see a picture of him in color. He was he was wearing like Tommy Bahama shirts. He was fly. Dude, you going around doing, and I'll tell you another thing. He was fly. He was getting down like that? Yeah, he was fly as fuck. He's doing t- speeches in front of 10,000 people. He's groupies, groupies going to come out of the woodworks. But Coretta was holding it down, though. Yeah. You know, and the idea that he's like, J. Edgar Hoover somewhere in some dark room in, in Quantico, Virginia, like, we're going to tell everyone that he uh, sleeps around on his wife, and then they, you know, black people love marriage, so if he's unfaithful, they won't follow him anymore. Just coming up with all kind of plots, and all the plots That felt- was true, though. What? He was out here. He was, but, like, they tried to they that. tried to flip it, and, like, it wasn't, like, known, known. Mm. They made it known. Because I didn't know. They, made, they, they, they tried to make it known to disc- discredit him, and they tried all the stuff they could do, and then finally, just coincidentally, some random person, you know, some random person shoots this dude when he's coming out of his hotel room. You know his um, you know his mom was assassinated? Did not know that. So I you saw know, you're telling me something. Happened Around like, the time? It or? was like four or five years after he was assassinated. Wow. Yeah. She might have been trying to sue the FBI or something. something. That's some, bro, it's, listen, I keep trying to tell people, there's people that know, but it's, I keep trying to tell people, like, just because we're not in Roman times anymore and swords and all of that mm-hmm. it's fucking dark games being played in the shadows we talked about the dude from the bed bath and beyond thing i haven't followed up on that but like people mysteriously die still I today like you say he jumped from a he from a like a a fifth five-story building i said 50 i saw the picture of that building i said it's, damn it's like called the jenga building it's like tall as hell I thought you said like 10 stories. No, I said 50. That's insane. No, nah. so, but I'm saying like, so it's not as obvious as like, we're going to do battle on the battle. You, you said you, you reneged on this treaty. It's like, all right, well, you cost me this money or you causing problems of me trying to take over this neighborhood. You're going to have to come up randomly dead or robbed in a, a park or something. You got to get That's randomly crazy. robbed and shot in a robbery gone wrong. It's, 
that's the type of shit that's going on these days, bro. So when you say, you said she was assassinated or she, she was just was. No, she was assassinated. That's what I read. She was assassinated. I got to look into that. That's crazy. What's the name? Alberta King or something like that? Look it up. Roberta King? I'll look Al- it up. Alberta. 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 I'll look it up later. So the state returned to Moore's murders, murder his case twice. Mm-hmm. It, but it was unable to file charges since most of the men whom was suspected in the crime had died. In 1999, journalist Ben Green published a book based on his research of the case before time, I'm sorry, before his time, the untold story of Harry T. Moore, America's first civil rights martyr. His research had gone deeply into FBI files. Green's book was followed by a public broadcasting service. In 2005, Florida Attorney General Charlie Crist reopened a state investigation of Harry and Harriet Moore's death. The Moore's only surviving daughter, Juanita Moore, encouraged Chris in the efforts to uncover the ident- in efforts to uncover the identity of her parents' killer. So, at some point, people was like, they was in on it, but then it was like, all right, we see what you're trying to do here, mm-hmm. right? After the jig was up, they were like, oh no, you, I know we know why you're doing this. Mm-hmm. So, forensic teams combed the former site of the Moore's house for evidence, which is now the site, uh, which is a memorial park now. Right. On August 16th of 2006, Chris announced the results of the work of the State Office of Civil Rights and the Florida Department of Law Enforcement. Rumors linking Sheriff Willis V. McCall to the crime to the crime were proven false. Now, Will, Willis V. McCall was a guy that had something to do with that um the Groveland, the Groveland 4. Uh-huh. He was like a sheriff that transported some he had something to do with some case where he transported two people and ended up killing. One of them just happened to die. He shot and killed one of them and saying it was self-defense. So the news got out that he was on this case. Uh-huh. And it was like, that's false. So I guess when his name got out, people were like, we don't want nothing. We don't want him. But it was all, it was all fake news. So based on ex- extensive evidence, the state concluded that the Moors were victims of conspiracy by murders of the Central Florida Clavern of the, the KKK. The investigators published a report naming the following four individuals, all of whom had reputations, reputations of violence and have, have been directly involved. Now, is we how they can do this fucking 50, 60 something years later uh-huh. and find evidence to be like, mm-hmm. oh, these people were directly connected to this crime. Yeah, because it was there the whole time. <laughs> it was there the whole time. So Earl J. Brooklyn, a Klansman known for being exceedingly violent, who had who had floor plans of the Moore's home. Wow. And was recruiting volunteers for an attack. Where do you get those from? Like City Hall? Gotta mm-hmm. have you gotta have some credentials to get floor schematics of floor neighborhoods. Plans? Yeah, you can't just go in and I mean, maybe you can, but I think you probably that's, that may be like public information. Maybe. Either way, like that's still that's uh that's a, this that's an assassin. That's this planned. Is where that's planned out. This what's the best, way. what's the most weak spot of the house where to blow the whole house That's up? That's nuts, man. That's nuts. Um, he ended up dying a year after the attack. Of old age. Oh, of natural oh, yeah. causes. A year after the attack? Yeah. So oh. we, don't, we don't know how old he was. Interesting. Tillman H. Belvin, another violent Klansman, was a close friend of Brooklyn's. He also died of natural causes about a year after the attack as well. Joseph Cox, secretary of the Orange County, Florida chapter of the Klan was believed to have ordered the attack. In 1952, he committed suicide after 
after having been pressed with questioning and investigation by FBI. You know? Maybe they all felt so bad that they all just killed themselves in different yeah, ways. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Edward, Edward L. Spivey, also in the KKK, as he was dying of cancer in 1978, he implicated Cox in the attack and claimed also to have been at the crime scene in 1951. So, like I said, all of them are, all of them are dead. They were dead a couple years, years after the shit didn't happen. So yeah. it was, you know, um, one of them killed himself. At least the orchestrators and like the big, the big, the big names. Yeah, man. Um, I just find it weird how you can put all this together after it's, if the house is gone, it's a memorial. Now you can get evidence and go. These were the four, four or five people that was directly connected to this attack. It was there the whole time. They could have did this. They could have did this six months after the attack, and put people in jail and whatever you know. But you know, they waited fifty years after people just, lived a full life or yeah. died of natural causes. They couldn't expect that to happen. But you know, but this is other it guy like died twenty years later? Yeah. So I mean, they go up to these people and go like, "Did you do this?" And they go, "No." And they go, "All right, man. Yeah, all right." I said, "See you. See you at see you at the barbecue next week. See you at the <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. See you at the hangout next week. Yeah. But Harry Timor, that's Harry Timor. He next to his car." Fly. These people's thriving, man. Clean. Fly. Fly. Make a nice little bit of money. Got a car. Got a house. Mm-hmm. Nice little plot of land. You know, that's like a coupe back then. Yeah. One of these little cars yeah, with, the, yeah. with the big wheels in the front. Looking like a stagecoach, but yeah, it's man. a car. Yeah, man. I mean, thriving. I did one like a story like this last week, except with you know, this guy. That guy was just like, he was getting money. Oh, yeah. He was, he was caked just, up. He was just getting money. Yeah, he did yeah. a guy that had crazy entrepreneur i mean his entrepreneur level was like oh my god different. oh they got yeah, 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 yeah. it was different he was in that he, he was grinding he was he got his out the mud yeah his daughter was in that documentary that's on right. netflix now right but he, this, he we he are who we his, are yeah, he built his shit from the ground up yeah, hustler these guys man was out here put, put a target on your back put a target on your back mm-hmm. but was just it was out here working working the right way how you supposed to do it how they want you to do it but now it's like they take it all away. Now, here's the thing. This is very deep cut hip hop, but it's interesting. I didn't know this because um, I was a 50 Cent fan when I was a kid. But mm-hmm. I'm watching the Murder, Inc. docuseries. Okay. And Irv Gotti, who is making himself look like a major clown because he just can't get over Ashanti. Yeah. That, that's not what I'm bringing this up for. But Irv Gotti was involved. They tried to involve him in a racketeering case. That's how Murder, Inc. kind of met its downfall. Because he was friends with a major drug dealer from his same neighborhood. They, like, grew up together. Mm-hmm. And so they tried to implicate him in being involved in selling drugs or something. Because he knew him? Because he knew him. But it's like, no, I'm just from Queens. I grew up, made something out of myself, and I didn't turn my back on the people I grew up. I still stay cool with them. Yeah. But just he was punished, basically, for being associated with somebody that he grew up with. Wow. And being successful and making millions of dollars. So like, well, you're making millions you of dollars. Even though there's plaques on the wall, the Ja Rule songs are yeah. on the radio all day long. They're like, no, you're making all these millions of dollars because you know this drug dealer yeah. in Queens. And so we're going to come and take all that money from you. And it's like. I think that idea spilled over to black people as well. Because I think a lot of people also. Move out, get out of Not even that. Oh. But a lot, a lot, a, sometimes you can see another black person doing well. Uh-huh. You go. Ooh, okay. I see where you're going. He go. He probably sell drugs. Mm, yeah, no, I self hate. I've been a victim of that before. Yeah, uh, absolutely. That's, but that's what yeah, I mean. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, like yeah, it's no, just that's real. That's real. That's not just. We didn't just come up with that. Yeah, it's like skeptical. Why are you successful? It right. must be something bad. Because we, 
We learned that. Over the years, we haven't been. Mm. We haven't had that type of success. We're taking, then on, when, we're taking then on, when on the you, traits of the master. Yeah, man. Mm. And then what you do is like, oh, no, he has to be doing something illegal. No, he's he can't be. He can't be getting money no, the legal way because th- we those people don't allow that. Uh-huh. You know what I mean? Yeah, so yeah. it's like mm. I've been no, he's facts, in those man. situations where I've been like, oh, yeah. But then I think oh, as I got out, I went like, I can't. That's not you shouldn't say that. That's not yeah, right. Yeah, no, for sure. Everybody, people out here working hard. Might come, but no, I got my just, CDLs. Yeah. I'm on the road every week. Yeah, man. You know, so yeah, yeah you know, no, for sure. I've been a victim of that for sure. I definitely have yeah. had those thoughts. That's the that's the master's mentality right there. That's that's you thinking like the oppressor. Exactly. And that's man. deep. That's deep. Cause I never thought of it that deep. You just cause it's just always I'm never like on some Uncle Ruckus type. I'm not right. gonna I'm not gonna call the police, but right. I go, oh no, car kinda nice. But you don't dress professionally. Yeah. You dress kind of yeah. urban. You don't usually get money like that. Yeah. That's how I used to look at it. Like, we don't... This is don't weird like that it's, you it's have weird. this exactly. lifestyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You must be doing something bad. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. That's, yeah. yeah man. I'm a definitely... Uh, I'm, it's like I've known I've done that in my right. life, but I've never reflected on it until just this moment. And I'm going to try to break that. Yeah. I'm going to try... When I do have that thought, I'm going to attack that thought in that moment when I have it from now on. Yeah. Because I realized it like maybe like a while ago and I went, I got to, I got to stop. Yeah. Because I've heard my grandma say, I've, I've heard people say it and mm-hmm. I've been close to her and I go, and then I just was, you grow up yeah. and then you just start saying this and you go like, you see, you especially you in, when you used to live in the hood, in the mm-hmm. city, you see somebody with a nice car, you go like, I don't know about that one. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. You ain't get that working at McDonald's. Yeah. I'm not saying McDonald's is a bad job, but I mean like. You're not getting. You ain't get yeah. a Benz. <laughs> Yeah, Come yeah. on, man. Yeah. Right. But the idea that we go, it's either McDonald's or you're selling drugs. Like, yeah, that guy up. could be a yeah, nurse. Yeah, yeah. You know, you could be something. You yeah. could be something professional. And that doesn't come across our minds sometimes when we see people thriving and we got to change that. It's our own people. It's our own yeah. people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's our own people and it's other people. So we've, we've, we're fighting against us along with people that are fighting against us. And and that's not how it should be. Right. We see yeah. a white person with a nice car. We go. Yeah, he must yeah, be probably a construction worker yeah, or something. Like that. A whole bunch of jobs. Doctor. Jobs I don't even think and, exist. And, and, and they yeah. drug dealers. Yeah, yeah, that's a whole bunch of jobs coming. Might probably accounting. <laughs> probably CPA or something like that. It's crazy. Jobs man. I would never it's attribute crazy. to a black person, and that's sick. You know what I'm saying? That's like crazy. jobs I would never. I'll go to drug dealing before I go to so many other possibilities. You know, and and that's yeah, man. That's something to work on for sure. Yeah, that's something to work on. All right, well, let's get into these good vibes, man. Welcome back to our Good Vibe segment. Uh, my Good Vibe this week is about an Apple Watch. I'm sorry, an Apple smartwatch mm-hmm. saved a man's life when it alerted him that his heart was beating extremely slowly. Oh. And had even stopped 138 times in 48 hours. Oh, wow. You don't. You have an Apple Watch, right? I do. I don't use it as you much wear, as I you used to. You don't to go to sleep? No. <laughs> no it, it doesn't, it was, I've never used it for heartbeat arrhythmia type of type of shit like okay. that before. Because no. I, I got a Fitbit, but I, I wear it I wear it all the time. But it track I like to track how my sleep is when I wake up. Mm, I never thought like, to do that. Yeah, so like it have like different things on there. Like you got some new in there. Well, like, like, you got scared at two thirty in the morning. No, I, <laughs> it got some new in there where it's like um you got to track it for like seven days and be like, okay, this week you've been sleeping like a bear or something like that. So mine like mine's been like a bear. Is that good? But it's been like I've been getting like heavy REM, it's like REM sleep. Mm-hmm. So like maybe my average is like REM is like, like the deepest sleep. You deep can. sleep. So it's like mm-hmm. maybe like an hour and twenty minutes. Make a good night, like a score, like the high score I ever got was maybe like a ninety-one. That's because minutes. I was, 
Oh, it's the, the score. score. It's the score. That's probably because I was off the the, the next day, you so out. I was able to. Sleep. I was out, <laughs> so I was like, remember maybe like an hour and a half sleep. Okay, but it tell you when like deep sleep, light sleep, and it's oh, like, wow. or it tell you when your body because your heart your heart rate slow down. Right. So that's how. So I when can, it's the lowest, that's REM. Right. It's, yeah, it's REM. So it's like that's where you have more activity, and you you was deep in deep sleep. What about like if you have a nightmare? Did it tell you that? I don't think it tell you that. So I had a nightmare last that would night. Be, that would probably be like, that would probably have something to do with like movements or something like that. That's yeah. That's like actually, I, didn't, see, I didn't know about that because sometimes I'll be having dreams. Of I mean, like I had a nightmare last night. Me and you was like doing door to door sales. And we ended up in this creepy ass house and people was, it was like a father and a daughter in there and they were being weird. And I was like, all right, friend, let's go. You can remember it? Yeah, it was vivid. Then I went, because I ran down the steps. And when I went to look back, like, man, that was, I was like, that was crazy how they were. And when I looked up, bro, the dude had you by your neck. Like a, like holding you like a dog, like a puppy, uh-huh. and you were dead. Then he threw you down the steps. Shit. He threw you like he threw you down the Where steps. Where did you go? I tried to leave. You just, did he get you? The door was locked. That's when I wake myself up. Walked- I was like, "No, fuck this!" Yeah, he starts moving, <laughs> just panicking in the dream. Wake up! Yeah, I woke myself up. Then you're just in a dark room. In the All of the my night. dreams, the ones I remember. Always have something to do with me running. Like mm-hmm. I'm being chased by something, or like something's going. Yeah, down. I rarely have a like a beautiful, nice, peaceful, sweet dream uh-huh. about a cute moment or something uh-huh. like that. Meet it's a girl like, and have a, a nice date or, or something. Like something. Something. I'm being chased by shadows and demons. My teeth are falling out. Like yeah. it's always crazy shit going on. I'm troubled. Yeah. So this 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 story of cardio coincidence <laughs> began in April when 54 year old David Last. Got a new Apple Watch from his wife, Sarah, for his birthday. Mm, sweet. S- straight away, the watch reading show David had a resting heart rate as slow as 30 beats per minute. Mm. Resting heart rates for an adult males are usually between 60 to 100 beats oh. per minute. Dropping down into 50s for those with extraordinary fitness. Sarah urged David to visit the doctor, but the man just assumed the watch was faulty. Huh. Man, this thing's crazy. Saying I'm dying. Eventually, the dad of four saw a cardiologist at Norfolk and Norwich University Hospital, where he was booked for the MRI scan in May. Two months later, the results were in, and he was referred back to the e- referred back for an ECG scan. Mm-hmm. One day, David noticed he had five missed calls from the hospital, asking him to come back um, as a as a matter of urgency. What did they even tell you? I mean, like, yeah, your heart's like. The batteries are low. Like, I mean, how do they fix you? I don't like, know, but I know it's probably scary. I know it's probably bad if they call you like and you go like, what's wrong? No, you gotta come yeah, in you here. Get here now. You gotta get here expeditiously. Yeah. So David underwent life-saving surgery to fit a pacemaker, mm. which is a device which keeps the heart rate beating in rhythm and says he's feeling relieved and has a lot more energy. My wife keeps saying that she saved my life. She's not wrong, said David. Mm. If she hadn't bought me. My Apple Watch for my birthday, I wouldn't be here, man. It's a great Apple Watch commercial. Something. They need to, instead they of need to give him something. Putting the same damn phone out every year. The same fucking phone. <laughs> Crazy, man. Look like Boo Boo the Fool now. Now I'm starting to get these Android. Look, I'm not going to go full Android, but now, you know, they've been talking shit for years. Now I'm like, now I'm starting to understand. They're like, y'all just keep getting the same phone. We had that for years. Yeah, but like, Android, all right, well, Android they I don't want get, green bubbles on my shit. They started to get creative with the with the phones they got though. They have like to switch they got on. like I, no, not me, but they got like iPhones, <laughs> iPhones. Continue, but, but they they flip it's like an oh, old they can fold it. 
you can fold it, uh-huh. but then when you open it back up, it looks like it doesn't even have a crease in the screen. Yeah, uh-huh, no, that's and I mean that's that's, that's dope. That's 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 ingenuity. That's, that's dope. Yeah, Steve like, Jobs. Steve Jobs rolling over in his grave. They just keep putting the same phone out the over same and over again. Phone Where's the creativity, man? And we just keep buying. It's it not giving what I thought it was supposed to give. I thought fourteen be some next level shit. It's the same it's phone. The same you keep phone. telling me now it's thirty six megapixels, bro. The pictures all look good now. All <laughs> the girls got the bikinis on on Instagram. All the pictures are clear. They all look four K. Giving me another pixel. How it's not going to do it. You got three in the back of yours? I got three on the back of mine. It's, it's, it's fine. Four. Four this is, is coming. a 12 Pro Max. Four is coming. Four cameras? Four cameras. It's going to look dumb as hell. Another four. Come on, bro. I don't need another camera, man. The whole make it fold or Make it fold or make it clap. Dude, make it they do something. Do I don't something. know. It's just, it be you, gotta, you can't keep selling me the same phone now. Am I going to jump ship? Nah, they gonna they gonna do something. They gonna put a keyboard that, up yeah. on the slide a keyboard from under. Yeah, they gotta something. do something, man. Make it. You know, I used to have the ones where it's like it the up. whole screen is. It, the, remember the, the the fake videos you see on YouTube? Like the whole fi- the whole phone is see through. Oh, they need to you make. Remember, you remember the ones where it was like the screen came on projected the, on to the, the table? Yeah, it was. It was. Some, they were telling us some lies about five years ago. It was like, oh, you could project the whole phone onto the wall and yeah. then just type type your fingers on the wall and yeah. it, it's buttons. None of that shit ever came. It's like no. here's a one more camera. Now instead of the the widgets, the uh, apps wiggling when you touch them, they don't wiggle anymore when you delete them. It's like, man, all right, man, thanks, cool. Now you can see the it's snowing on the screen, and like I hear some Android person be like, "We had that in 2012." Yeah, they do have all the shit though. It just look kidding. I don't care. I will childish. now. I can't lie. One time I was hanging out with somebody that had an Android. They pulled it, and their phone was about to die. They just pulled another battery out, put it. In. I be yeah. hate, I be hating yeah, a little yeah. bit sometimes. Yeah. Then another time I was hanging out with somebody. They had two phones. Charged the other phone with the phone. I said, "All right, now you." Now y'all just showing off. Now the yeah, phone crazy. had a wireless charging capability on the back of the phone. They charge their Android phone with the phone. Yeah, but you can get so, you can, so you can give your homie some juice. Yeah, and you can get. It, it is funny. You the 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 ability to customize it is kind of cool though. You can do all kinds. Are we of about shit. to? Are we about to? Are we about to betray Apple and jump ship? Nah, nah, I can't do it. Those green nah. bubbles. I, you, I mean, we I'm we were having that kind of mutiny discussion yeah. just now, but yeah. really when it, when it boils down to it, they know they got me. Yeah. I got the, the the MacBook, the watch. I can't I'm, the headphones. Apple, Apple game, man. Yeah, I, I can't just shit. the phone to throw the whole system off. Yeah, yeah no, nah, yeah, yeah. I can't, and they know it too. So they be like, "Here's another phone, you dumb idiot. It's the same phone. It's a twelve hundred dollars." <laughs> and people be like, "Oh boy, you, it's, oh it's red now." Yep, and they put they give you, they give you new headphones, and it's like, "Oh, you got two extra hours of battery time." It's like, thanks. You gotta say great. thanks like they just give you a bowl of oatmeal. <laughs> Or you get the phone that's like, now something that you already spent a bunch of money on to have a bunch of these, it doesn't take this anymore. Like This, that, that, this doesn't have a charging Chargers, cord anymore. Like, oh, oh, cool. Charge okay. change. I got 50 ca- charging cords in my house. None of them are work on this phone. Man, they know what they're uh, doing. Oh, well. Hey, go fuck yourself, right? Come get the phone, though. Line up. You know like, okay, doing. yes, sir. Line up like a bitch. And they just... Oh, that's crazy. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, my good vibes story. Hold on, let me change the vibes up a little bit one time. This is, this is serious. My good vibe story is about a young man who's taken over the world with his positivity. And he's been recognized by South Dakota, the state that he hails from. This is South. I think he's I don't know. Maybe I think he's from New York. But anyway, he is now South Dakota's new corn ambassador. Is he? Yes. Tariq, also known as the corn kid. His whole life changed just 14 days ago. A seven-year-old boy, he slapped some butter on the ear of corn, and he knew it tasted so good that he had to proclaim it to the world. His passion for the produce landed him a sweet gig last Saturday as South Dakota's official corn ambassador. Some people might see corn as just a starchy vegetable, but Tariq, 
whose last name wasn't released for privacy reasons, which I like. Yeah. Credit him as Tariq because he yeah. is a person. Don't keep calling this kid Corn Kid when he's doing paid events. Yeah. We can call him Corn Kid out of love because that's his little nickname. But when I, I don't like seeing him on the red carpets and shit and on Ellen DeGeneres or something. That's not a thing anymore. But whatever the new Ellen DeGeneres thing is, call him Tariq. You don't have to say his last name because he should be able to live his life after his 15 minutes. We'll call is him up. Tariq Corn Kid. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Call him Tariq, aka the Corn Kid. Exactly. But you're not just going to keep calling him. Show him some respect. Yeah. Anyway. He is now the corn ambassador. We all know the video. We love the video. We saw it. And one of his big famous lines from it is, I mean, just look at this thing. I can't imagine a more beautiful thing. It's corn. <laughs> so Tariq's profession yeah, Tariq's profession of love of, of his favorite vegetable earned him the nickname The Corn Kid after his interview racked up millions of views and made him into a song. Wow. Last Saturday, he was dubbed South Dakota's official corn ambassador by Governor Christy Nome. Who declared September 3rd, 2022, official corn and corn ambassador Tariq Day. Wow. He got a day named after him. Give it up for Tariq. I don't know why I'm so invested in this black boy's joy, man. I, I just see myself in him, man. I just, you know, I, I want him to get all the things. I want him to make all the money. I want him to get all the opportunities that I see people with that, you know, the oh, look at the white vans. All these kids I saw. Damn, Daniel. Yeah. All the backpack kid who's still doing that dumb. That dumb dance. He's, he's you still can, around? You can still find him out here doing it. Now he's doing it for like change in the streets now. It got very grim for him, but yeah. he's still out here with the backpack on doing the arm dance. Yeah. And, you know, I, I don't want Tariq to go out like that. I want us to show love to Tariq, embrace him. I want his college fund overflowing with money. And then I want him to go away peacefully into the night and be able to go enjoy fifth and sixth grade and, yep. and be happy. But I want him to take get all the most out of this opportunity that's come upon him, man. I really am happy, happy for Tariq. But like I said... South Dakota, September 3rd, 2022, is now the official Corn Ambassador Tariq Day. He is the official Corn Ambassador of South Dakota. And um, I'm really happy for him, man. I want him to get I want him to get everything that he can get out of this moment. Tariq said an ear of corn should cost one dollar. And though everyone doesn't have to love it, everyone should certainly give corn a taste. Especially with butter. Yep. If you or anyone loves corn, if you come up to me, I'll tell you all about it. He told Recess Therapy, which is a great Instagram account. Everybody should go follow it. It's like it's like the new kids say the darndest things. I think that shit that show should come back. I would love it if Steve Harvey. I've seen him with kids before. I think he'd do a good job as that at that role. I like seeing kids just unfiltered doing their thing. Like just ask them questions and they just go off. And that's what Recess Therapy is, and it's really awesome. Um, so shout out to Tariq, South Dakota's official corn ambassador, also known as a corn ambassador. So yeah, uh, that was my good vibe story, man. That kid just makes me so happy, man. I just want—I just want nothing but happiness and joy for that kid and all the corn. Yeah. Uh, before we get out of here, friend, you got any recommendations? Um, I—I I told you, I think I told you about. I started watching the show Mo. Um, yes, that was a great. I like based that in show. Texas. He's yes. like a, He's a Muslim Texas. guy in Texas. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, just trying to. He don't have his. He don't have his. He's not legal here in the states. Uh huh. So he's trying to find jobs and stuff like he. Going through all kinds of shit. Under, I just finished the, the first season. Yeah, first season of that hilarious. I think he's. I think he does stand up as well. I think. Okay, uh, he's hilarious. Uh, I'm caught up on Hulk. Caught up on She Hulk. She Hulk. Sorry, She Hulk. Caught up on uh, House of Dragons. I think that comes on. That's tonight. Oh yeah, tonight. Uh, I follow this Instagram account. It's called Nature Is Metal. Have you heard of it before? Oh, where they show like animals and shit doing crazy stuff. Not, I mean, like doing nature, themselves? doing nature oh, stuff. Oh yeah, like a yeah. like a lion eating a yeah, gator, an alligator. Oh, I love it. Yeah, yeah. I, I saw one. A hawk took the took out a duck at fifty miles an hour. Mm. Insane. Yeah, nature is metal. Insane. I love that because it's raw. It's like this mm-hmm. is this is what's this really what goes happening. Down. This is what's really happening. This is what goes down out here, mm-hmm. and I and I love watching shit like that. Yeah, yeah. No, oh, I agree. To a hawk. Yeah, a hawk right out of the sky. 
It they wasn't in the sky. A, it was a sitting duck. It was no, a I'm literally the hawk came out of the oh, sky. Oh yeah, right? yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just talking about like the duck. The no, duck it was it was a sitting duck. It was a sitting duck. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow, just duck. Yeah, they come in like a missile. Oh my goodness. Yeah, nature is definitely metal as fuck. Shout out to David Attenborough. He always takes that metal aspect of nature and like calms it down. He's like, and this bird will be eaten for dinner tonight. <laughs> Love David David Attenborough. Um, let's see, my recommendations. First of all, the trailer, what I mentioned earlier, the trailer for The New Little Mermaid has dropped. It's okay. starring Halle Bailey, not Halle Berry, Halle Bailey of Chloe and Halle. They're a music group. Um, it looks amazing, bro. Is it? it well, the, tra- the movie's not out. Oh. It comes out in 2023, like spring 2023. But the point is, she's black. Yeah. I don't know if you remember the controversy of this, but like people were like, not my Ariel. Mm. And it's interesting. Well, then they do that with the with uh they do it with all Will Smith shit. and fucking um uh, What was he? Will Smith Genie. Him? What was that I guess. Again, I, that's that crazy if they did that with him because like you, the that movie? you know what I'm saying? Oh. If they did that because oh. the genie's blue. And yeah. it was a cartoon. Well, he's black. And he was like, he shouldn't be. He shouldn't be the genie. That's not it, it doesn't fit. Yeah. Fuck off. But but obviously, the Little Mermaid cartoon is a white cartoon. But it's a she's a half fish person that lives in the ocean. Yeah. So the idea that people would be racist about why are you surprised? It though? could be whoever you want. But my point is, the trailer looks so good that I love how and she sounds amazing in the trailer. It's like, see, yeah. like it, it's it looks good. What would her being white do? Yeah, like Cinderella. Like Cinderella. Yeah, but that movie didn't have the budget this movie had. That was an off... I don't even know if that was a Disney official. Was that Moesha? Brandy. (laughs) I assume it was Disney official because they own the rights to it. But I'm just saying, like, it didn't have... You know, these new uh, reboots, they have big budget. Like the Lion King. These are $100 million movies. That Brandy Cinderella was... I loved it. Whitney Houston. R.I.P. But it was not like a blockbuster movie. Right. You could yeah. get it at Blockbuster, which yeah. I did, Shout but outs. it wasn't a Blockbuster movie. This Little Mermaid movie looks epic, and it also looks kind of scary. Mm, I gotta check it out. Like, they didn't make the ocean look, you know, like, I don't, did you see Aquaman? No. They made the ocean look weak as hell. It was all what? these neon lights, and I want the ocean to be murky, and barnacles, and sunken ships that are rotten, and sharks, and sh- I want it to look a little scary, and this trailer looked a little scary. Like, she even looked a little scary with her little tail. It looked real, like a f- half fish person. Is it a cartoon? No, it's like CGI. Oh, so it's like The Lion King? Yeah. Okay. So it almost is like, I think it's going to be a little bit scary, which I'm into. Ursula should be scary. The Little Mermaid is kind of scary, you know? So I like that the, the trailer at least looks kind of scary and real. It looks like really a mermaid in the ocean. You know, they could have sterilized it and made it look cartoony. This looks like a real, what a mermaid would look like. In the dark ocean, swimming in an abandoned ship, and it looks kind of scary, and I'm into it. Yeah, man, you sound really enthused. No, I'm, I thought I, I didn't think I would care, but I after seeing the tra- after seeing the trailer, though, I'm like, I want to see this shit because I have a fascination with how scared I am of the ocean. And the guy that made Aquaman, his name is James Wan. He did all the Conjuring movies, and when he sto- when he first signed on to do the movie, he was like. I think it's going to be kind of a horror movie. And I think the the studio was like, no, nah, we're not doing that. We want kids to see this movie. So they made it all colorful and bright. And it, I, he tricked me. I thought he was going to make the ocean look how I want the ocean to look. Well, he didn't trick you. He just wasn't allowed to do it. That's what I think happened. <laughs> but I'm just saying, it's funny that this Disney movie that's for kids yeah. looks like how I want the ocean to look in a movie. It looks scary. Mm. 
And so I'm into that. So I didn't think I'd be that into it and care. Yeah, but exactly. I see the trailer. I'm yeah, like, voice, I'm like, nah, I'm, I, this shit looks kind of scary. I want to see this in a big theater, in the dark. I yeah. want it to be. I'm going to see it, though. I'm definitely going to go see it. Well, you have a reason to. I'm, I, yeah, I, maybe I'll piggyback on your trip to go see it so yeah, I don't, yeah. I don't look so weird. Yeah, because then I can go to sleep and I'm going to be bothering me. Bothering me <laughs> Fair. Uh, <laughs> other recommendations, though. Let's see. Um, I finished Keep This Between Us, which is the docu-series about um, teachers, teacher student, like teachers basically like molesting or assaulting yeah. st- students and grooming them and stuff. Yeah. Very powerful um, show, man. It's four parts. Very good. I, I definitely recommend that to people. I really and en- en- I enjoyed, but it was it was important. It's an important watch, yeah. I think. And uh, let's see. Oh, I did tell you that I'm watching. I'm I'm watching the best TV shows ever. Yeah, you went down and, and you found the list. I am on. I'm doing Kirby Enthusiasm right now. I already seen Seinfeld. I've seen Seinfeld years ago, thousand times. I'm on Kirby Enthusiasm. Mm-hmm. Goddamn hilarious. No, I, Larry David is a genius. See, I seen uh, what's Louis C.K. I seen that. I seen that show Louis? a long time ago. I seen Louis, yeah, Louis. Yeah, yeah. I seen that mm-hmm. already. So I can count I can count those three off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So after I Kirby Enthusiasm, I don't know what I'm gonna watch next. Mm-hmm. But we talked about you said you, you were it was Sopranos, the Sopranos, but I was right, like, yeah. but you maybe not want to watch it anymore. Well, like, listen, people listen, you can send this to Fran Lake, see if you want to convince Fran to turn him around. But what I said was there's so many other things that have come out that are really go deep into the mob and or deep into like there's so many more like violent shows where the Sopranos always had like an air of violence. Like watching James Gandolfini fake beat people up in 1997 was crazy. Cause like get the fuck out of here, fucking the fucking uh, the Mama Luke, like whatever. Yeah. And you never seen anything like it before. But then when you watch uh, uh, Breaking Bad, and they blew off half of Gustavo Fring's face when the guy was ringing the bell. Yeah, yeah. yeah. When you after you seen that, you go back and watch the Sopranos. Like where the fuck a gobble go? It almost is like a comedy show. Cause it's like. This isn't like this isn't as intense as it was before yeah. all the other shit I've yeah, seen. Yeah, yeah. Once you've seen The Wire, you go back and watch The Sopranos. You go, I mean, I guess it's good writing, but like the 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 the, the nervousness and the fear. And I'm like, we're gonna get fucking get the bats. And we're gonna go fucking break some kneecaps. It's like, all right, man, but y'all not really gonna break kneecaps. Yeah. It's not gonna be violent like that. And it's a bunch of old dudes walking around in sweatsuits, going, "Hey, what the fuck? Fuck, I'm a joke." So it almost is kind of parody. I understand why it's on the list because when it came out, it was the first of its kind. I might, but put I just it don't I think might it, put it. I might put it at the end of my list. I don't think the Sopranos stood the test of time. That's my opinion. I could be. I, please, if anybody wants to convince Fran that I'm wrong, that's fine. You're not going to change my mind. I believe what I believe, but you might convince <laughs> Fran that he should give it a shot. And I get why it's on the list, but I just don't think it's not the like the mob show that you think it's going to be when you've seen the shit that has been come out since then. Yeah. You seen some real violent shit. You go watch this. It's like I don't know. I guess so. It's cool. Yeah. I get why it's on the list, but I don't know. But yeah, no. Go through that list and, and keep me posted. I am. I'm really invested in you watching all the best shows of all time. Yeah, man. But yeah, as far as recommendations, that's about all I got. Um, I haven't really. I've been watching House of Dragons episode three. Like I thought was fucking epic. Damon Targaryen boy, them arrows who start dodging all the arrows. Oh what? I didn't see that. Episode three. That's episode three. Oh, when he him and get the against the crab feeder. Yeah, what are you talking about? You, you, you remembered you, immediately? I thought, you, I thought you was talking about something new. I was like, well, I ain't seen that. Nah, him, yeah, he was going off. One on, one on a thousand. But anyway, um, uh, folks, this episode is coming out the day after 9-11. Um, what a day in, in the history of the United States, man. Um, so, you know, everybody just take a second and remember that. And just, man, um, I've watched all the documentaries you can watch on that thing. And some footage is hard to watch. Me and Fran were talking about it between, in between breaks. And it's just, like, kind of unfathomable, especially when you think about I was in fourth grade and I remember school let out early 
and they were just like, go home. Yeah. Go in the house. The teachers. Yeah. Don't play. It was a weird. It was a weird day because we were so young. Yeah. So I didn't really understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I could tell my teachers were like scared. Yeah. But it almost felt like they were punishing us. Like, go home. And go in the house. Yeah, Don't come outside. A, yeah, it's one of the days you would never forget. It was, it was, it was a, a weird, weird day. day yeah. It was a weird day. And I listened, too. I was really like, because I could see on their They were like, I didn't take it like, we got out of school early. It was yeah. like, I, other kids were like, what is what happened? Like, I yeah. don't really, we were walking home. And, yeah, yeah but we, could, we couldn't really figure it out. But it was like, well, I'm going to go home and yeah. go in the house. And I think my mom came home early from, early from work. Just like, like it when was, DC Sniper, it was like, no same recess. Thing. It yeah, was, it was like, no recess for like months. Yeah, it was crazy. And then like, yeah, yeah, no. DC Sniper times were crazy. And we weren't even, we were pretty, like, not far, but not close. But yeah. they, that's how, but it was so sporadic what he was yeah. doing. It was like, this guy could pop up anywhere. So, yeah, recess was done. Playing outside was done. Like, yeah. you, it was, it was, those are two weird, those are two weird events specifically. Well, I guess not specifically for the the DMV Baltimore area, but the, D, the DC Sniper was. Yeah. But I guess probably, you think they did that in California? Like we're not we're probably not far not. from New York, probably but we're not, not close to New York. Yeah, probably not. You know what I mean? Like we we are close to DC and we're close to the Pentagon. Yeah. So I feel like that might have been why. Like if I ask somebody from California, they he might was super go, close. Yeah, it was yeah, close. Somebody from like California or Oregon or something might go, Oh, I, no, we 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 saw it on the news, but yeah, we yeah. didn't like yeah. shut things down. Nah. I think we got all kind of forts and government buildings and shit in Baltimore and in Maryland. So yeah, it was that was a wild time. But anyway. Uh, yeah, man, what a day to never forget. And it's also important to never forget because we talked about it in your story about political theater. And a lot of those firefighters and emergency responders went into those buildings and tried to save as many people as they could. And now they have to go every year. If I'm not mistaken, I think John, uh, John Stewart helped fortify it and to make it like you it's locked in. But I could be wrong. They, they might still be fighting to make this happen. But I think they it's a chance I have to look it up. Or people can correct me. They might. They four years. They had to fight to get a guarantee fund in the budget per year from the government to help them pay for their medical bills. Because a lot of these people have mesothelioma, crazy. and these are the people that we we have stickers of them, crazy. American flags we put on our cars, never forget T-shirts and stuff. These are the people that were really there on the ground, and they can't get their medical bills paid from the the injuries and the and the sicknesses and illnesses that they got from fighting and helping people on that day. Which is crazy that somebody can stand on the stage to get your vote and say, never forget, 9-11, we love you people, first responders, police matter, all that shit. They can say all that shit and then vote no on a bill that helps people who were emergency responders get their medical bills paid. Political theater is bullshit and you got to know when you're getting gotten. That's on all sides. I'm not here to talk any specific political party. They're all, they're all doing theater, man. They're all trying to trick you and get you riled up. And they don't care. So let's keep that in mind. But also take a second and just, you know, take a moment of silence and pay some respect for that day, man. Because we lost yeah. a lot of people on that yeah. day. And it was a crazy day. And I, it was a day that will really never be forgotten. It was it was a, truly a wild day. But um, I've been Alvin Williams, joined as always by my partner in true crime, Franco Evans. And we'll see you guys next week. Deuces. Deuces.